I guess Ituta means thug off in android language. And there are more problems. Mark Hamill complains that Harrison Ford, who plays his pal Han Solo, gets all of the good dialogue. Keep your distance, though, Chewie. But don't look like you're trying to keep your distance. I don't know. Fly casual. You see, when it gets a little bit too square and a little bit too cornball, cut to Harrison rolling his eyes, going, are you kidding me? We're going in there with that thing? And the audience roars because it releases that sort of feeling of, oh, this is a little, I shouldn't be enjoying this so much. But even though Mark Hamill has these complaints, he told us that, yes, he would be willing to star in another Star Wars movie. And hang on for this exclusive, producer George Lucas has told Hamill to, yes, get ready for another role in the year 2000. George has talked to me marginally about doing something at the turn of the century in the last trilogy, but it wouldn't be on the same plane of existence, if you know what I mean. What it sounds like is that he offered you a job to play a father and Luke Jr. around the year 2000. You're a very clever man, Mr. Siskel. Actually, that was quite easy, Don. I want you to know. So first, it looks like there's going to be a set of three more Star Wars movies that take place before the three weeks. And then, at the end of the century, isn't that wonderful to stick around for it? Three more, ending with Luke becoming a father. That's the Star Wars experience, one of the most amazing chapters in entertainment history. It's monumental, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's just fun to think that you're going to have a job in the year 2000. This guy's a lucky guy. <laughs> Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner, your host for the show, and you are listening to episode 35, Tales from Jabba's Palace. Joining me is our vintage and modern loose completist with an expanding R5 focus. It's Richard Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Evening, guys. How is the ankle petal? Well, I didn't have a good time last week because uh, I got my cast taken off and I got a new one put on, which is much, much tighter. Um, but hopefully I'm going to get this one off on Wednesday. Got x-rays and things, and hopefully that's it, though, job done. Going to be ready for celebration? I've been ready for a long time. Mm. Next is our vintage completist, a TIE fighter pilot, focus collector, and admin on the popular Beyond the Toys Facebook group. It's Grant Criddle. Good evening, sir. Hello, folks. How are you this evening? I'm good. Just before we start, I thought it'd be really good to just to say that in the last uh, podcast, the fallout and confusion caused by Pete not accepting modern glue on sort of resealed vintage figures was answered beautifully by um, Andrew Norton, who suggested using Harbour UHU glue sticks on the Ewok packs. Brilliant answer. Yeah, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> not bad, mate. Not bad. Next is a man who is constantly on the lookout for Empire Strikes Back oddities to add to his ESB grime gimcrack. Gimecrack? I can't remember. A collector of slave layer and ray items, he is here to be educated. It's Peter Davis. Good evening, Peter Weedy. Oh, don't you start. I've got some worksheets for you, if you could just oh. sit in the corner and complete them. Who's going to mark them? 
uh, Jez, because he oh, knows okay. nothing either. He always comes <laughs> last in the quizzes. And finally, our Luke Skywalker X-Wing pilot focus collector, the running stormtrooper himself. It is Jezebel. Welcome, Jez. Good evening, Stu. Good evening, lads. Good evening, everyone. Jez, I know we'll be coming on to the running stormtrooper in due course, but I can't believe the hassle you've had acquiring a treadmill for celebration. As long as that's still the case, you've had some massive help, haven't you? And the treadmill has been achieved. Now, I know this should be going into the celebration chat, but I think something like that and the help you've received should go at the top of the show. What an excellent idea, mate. Yeah, yeah. I have had a real difficult time getting a treadmill, but power to the people, do you know, it's... All these big faceless corporations and hotels, they didn't want to know. No one else really wanted to know who I was contacting gym-wise. It was the Star Wars community who got together. You guys were trying, and you, in fact, you guys even found one for me on Craigslist, which is brilliant, massively appreciated. But also, Brett Isaacs, this chap there called Brett Isaacs, who I'm going to see on the Wednesday when we go out there, he's got together, started off on Facebook and Rebel Scum, he got together a band of five of them together, Brett, Kyle Dobbins, Stephen Hurst and Stephanie Katz. And together they've uh, all rallied round. They've figured out the logistics, how they can get me a treadmill. They've agreed and they've got a treadmill. So I'm blown away. It's fantastic. They've done it where no one else can, uh, which is brilliant. Additionally, as well as these guys who have done that, I've just had an email about 20 minutes ago. From the 501st in America, who I contacted a few weeks ago, and they've also just come back to me this evening saying, we think we might have one for you um, from the Orlando police who might be able to lend one. So uh, this is, again, you guys helping out from a podcast point of view, the Facebook guys helping out, and now the 501st. I'm really relieved to say that it looks like I may well have a treadmill. Treadmills are like buses, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Acquisitions this month, gents. Now, I'm hoping you've all been buying and you're not going to use some excuse like celebration as not having a purchase. So let's start with someone, Jez. So you start with a Norbon. <laughs> <laughs> Just got myself a treadmill. <laughs> yeah, vintage, no vintage. Going to celebration, mate. Okay, let's try again. Pete. I have actually bought something vintage. I can't believe it. It's not like brilliantly vintage, but it is vintage. I was going to like photocopy these and take it with me to celebration. It's a uh, Return of Jedi Star Wars Book of Masks by Random House. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I think I've got it, yeah. Like a creamy colour cover. Yes, yes, yes. with all the, the faces on. So uh, the, 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 I found one that was lots of loose masks in it, all in good condition. Missing the watch, apparently. The calculator watch bit, which... Who cares? I don't remember a calculator watching Star Wars. But uh, all the things are in there, all the masks. I thought I might photocopy them and uh, maybe, you know, wear them at the party. Because they are beautiful things. The Ewok one, Stu, is your size. In fact, it might be too big for you, but it is your size. <laughs> that wicked one. But it's a cracking book. I, I, I was quite surprised at how I kind of never heard of, heard about it before. Let's try... Well, Grant. Grant had a couple of standout last month, so let's see if he's, what he's got this month. Okay, uh, two pieces, really. Uh, the first piece is a 12-inch boxed R2-D2 Kenner. It's really nice and white. It's got the two plans. I was going to ask you, 12-inch collectors, actually, are the plans worth much at all? Do they often come in the, the uh, when you get a loose figure? Are they hard to find or anything? Yeah, they are hard to track down. It took me ages to find a loose one with both plans. Okay. Well, yeah, it's all nice and complete. It's even got the little cables in it that ties the figure to the backing card. And the other thing I got, which is actually modern, uh, for my birthday, my best mate, 
uh, she purchased two of these little furry sort of uh, plush Star Wars figures. One of them is my second favorite character, which is Salacious Crumb, and the other one is Han Solo. And they and they and they talk. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> That's the best thing in the world. It's absolutely outstanding. Your R2 data is lovely, I must admit. I saw that online. One of my favourite boxes, I think, from the 12 inch line. It looks really nice. You know, I thought this year I'd put a 12 inch box run together, finish off the box run, but I don't want to draw too much attention to it because the prices of 12 inch boxes is reasonably okay in consideration to everything else. So I don't want to draw too much attention to it just in case the prices go wacky. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be so much love for them. Rich? Yeah, uh, Grandalf got a slightly yellowed. 12 inch or two so if you want to swap your white one i'm more than happy to do a straight trade if you're interested and han solo's got something to say about that han solo. I'm Captain yeah no, no chance okay well Stu, i've knocked off one of my christmas wish list uh whatever we call them i've got the green tops trading cards full set so I was very pleased with that what else wait, 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 wait. Yep. Full, full set does that include the uh the golden rod variant no, but didn't have the bone accord in. I flicked through them to see what which one it was, and it's the it's the one that's been airbrushed. So, can, can I also say I've got a feeling without checking there was two sets making up one item. That may be true. Yeah, green. I've got a feeling the orange. Yeah. Yep. I've got to track the so orange one down. You haven't completed something off your Christmas list. Yeah, well, I've I've done better than I was last week. <laughs> um. <laughs> I am also going to track down a full set of loose 12, uh, first 12 figures to go on my display stand so I can get one of the JW acrylic cases. So they are quite tricky to get at the price that I'm wanting to pay. So I've picked up a loose, a loose <laughs> I've picked up a loose desk, I can't even see it. I've picked up a loose desk, <laughs> I've picked up a loose desk squad commander, but I've also got a Han Solo and special shout out to Ricky Cleverly for this one because he actually sent it to me free of charge. Um, a nice loose Han Solo. And the reason why he did that was because he had one for sale on Java's Palace and I got outbid on that one. And then he contacted us and said he had a second one. So uh, cheers, Ricky. Very much appreciated. And I'll be sticking some money in the pot for Jez's um, Make-A-Wish to go towards the amount of money I'm going to send him. So awesome, Ricky. Thanks very much. Oh, result. And I also got a set of, I don't know if you guys got them yet, the second set of the Jabba's Court trading cards. And Mark Baker sent me a set, again, free of charge. So I'm going to stick some more money into Jez's Make-A-Wish appeal. And I'm racing towards my target. I've got a little mini target that I'm aiming for. I'm hoping to get 100 quid. And I'm racing towards that very, very quickly. So, Mark, absolutely brilliant. You've sent me um, a, a set of trading cards. You know, didn't ask for them, came out of the blue, and they are absolutely fantastic. So if anybody hasn't got them, I suggest that you get yourself over to Jabba's Court and see if they've got any of these trading cards before they sell out. And finally, in the Vectus auction, I picked up a sealed Palatoy 9-num mailer box, which I didn't want. So I've now got two sealed Palatoy mailers that I don't want. So Hang on, I, I picked one out which I didn't want. Brilliant. Correct. Good, good yep. purchase, Rich. Oh, yeah. What's happening there, mate? You got a problem? I, I, you know what? I've got two mailer boxes, and they do nothing for us. So... So if we buy another one. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going to trade both of these mailer boxes for somebody who's got an opened one. So if anybody's got an opened Palatoy 9 or a Palatoy Emperor mailer box, and preferably one of the ones with those nice 
um, stands that Ian Sanderson sells on, on GW Critic, I'd like to put them in one of them. So um, that's my goal. I'm going to take them both to Celebration and swap them. Sorry, Stu, I need to jump in there. I've just realised I've been quite rude, actually, because Ricky cleverly also sent me something. And it was sort of like a Debenhams Return of the Jedi, Luke Jedi postcard. And it'd be wrong for me not to say thank you uh, for he, that, because that was a wonderful surprise. That's brilliant, because he sent me something last month, didn't he? Which I bought up, those cake toppers. Yeah, yeah where's, where's my free stuff? Yeah, he good, did say it? to me, he doesn't really... He just, he's a bit <laughs> unsure, and Pete is going to hold back before he gives him anything. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> <laughs> but he said to me that Pete and Jez collect isn't enough money in their pensions out of our taxes. Sorry, what was that? I was confused. In English, please. Sorry. <laughs> I get confused, because when he says us, I'm still... I get it, he means one person, but what are you on about, mate? Just say that again. <laughs> I, I said that Ricky had contacted us and said that he didn't want to send you anything because his taxes go to pay for your pensions. It already costs uh, him enough money. Right. Uh, well, no, Ricky's... A... Jez, I think that was humour, apparently. Northern humour. Well, it was the first time. I didn't realise that you had to clean your lugs out. I love Ricky. I used <laughs> to like him. He's, uh, you know, he's down that list. Old shaky up the hammers. Yeah. That's uh, what Star Wars stuff. I think most Stu, of our listeners have. Have you bought anything you didn't want this month? Well, this is becoming a bit of a trend because I'm not collecting. What I have picked up, I picked up a set of the Empire Strikes Back micro tins, a couple of Greedo car backs, the Kenner car backs, two Helix adverts. I forgot to put it on last month's actually. I, I got a Maruka Kisha Red Falcon from Japan. Jez, I think you said you got the X-Wing one of it. Yeah, they're, like they a, are really cool. Yeah, about an inch and a half long, a little Millennium Falcon. Purchased the Meccano Trilogo handbook after last month's episode. That is 22 quid on Amazon. So go get yourself involved. Back on episode 18, we had Stefan Forcourt on, and we spoke about the Amora mustard glasses, which were basically mustard jars, which came, obviously, with mustard in them. And then once you were empty, you could use them as a drinking glass. And I've been after them, but they don't come up very often. And if they always come up in France, and most of the French won't send them to the UK, which has been a bit of a problem. But finally managed to purchase one, the one of Luke and Vader battling at the end of Jedi. And then four days later, I managed to find a second one of them. So I've got the Chewbacca and the Ewok Kiko, who was made up for this glass, which I didn't realise that. So I need two more of them to complete the set of four of those glasses. Just purchased a Trilogo Tuscan Raider of Simon McCohen, one of my favourite figures, so great to have that in the set. And I also got one of my top five Christmas items. Um, I finally picked up the Sigma 3PO tape dispenser, which I nearly tossed away the tape and the little thing that sits between his legs. It's only because my son got the box back out of the bin to build something with it that we found it. So, uh, yeah, could have been a disaster. But that is my lot for the month. Stu, just one second. I have no idea what you're talking about with the mustard glasses. So there was a pot of mustard. There's four mustard glasses. They came with, you can't get, they do have a little lid that clips on the top of them. And I would have originally have mustard in it. Full of mustard. And there was four designs. You had Luke and Vader with their lightsabers at the end of Jedi and Chewbacca standing with his Ewok Kiko on Endor. And then there's two others. One is of Yoda and Jedi Luke on Tatooine. Work that one out. And the third, the final one is Vader and he's got a couple of stormtroopers on either shoulder, like walking. And are these licensed? Yeah. Never heard of them? No, me and Stefan discussed them and then I looked them up, but they don't come up very often. And with the lids, they're, um, I think he's got a set with the lids on and I think he paid four figures for them. Where I could, you, you pick up the glasses for, for 20 quid. Stu, what flavour mustard was in them? Was it I, French I'm mustard? I'm guessing French. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it could have been like an, another mustard we do not know about. 
Like wasabi. A bit of Dijon. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, not, they're nice. They are nice, but... Uh, they're not saying the side of them. What, what flavour mustard they are? Um, well, no, the um, outside of them is just a... I don't know if it would have had a sticker on the bottom or something back in the day, but these are just glasses. They've just purely got a Star Wars design on them. Are these not empty mustard glasses, as in designed to store homemade mustard in? No, no, they were they were for drinking glass. Oh, come on. Has anyone else got the Meccano to try logo? No, the Le French touch book. Yeah, 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 I got it. I've got it now. Right, right, OK, Wait. one sec. Right, page 206. The ultimate popular food-related promotion of the original saga was organised by Amora Mustard. It was announced in magazines, blah, blah, blah. Amora Mustard glass jars were made of translucent glass decorated with embossed artwork where in empty they could be repurposed as drinking glasses and at the same time collected to assemble a set of glasses featuring favourite heroes or characters. No way. I've and Amora, never seen if you, that. If you look on eBay France and look up Amora, they do a lot of asterisks. Um, that's the only one coming into my head, but <laughs> there is other sets of them. I found yeah. the mustard. You could get them with... <laughs> my goodness, there was a competition. You could win a, a some kind of console. I'm assuming it was an Atari. It's your, yeah, the Atari with, with Jedi Arena and Empire Strikes Back. Atari 2600 video games. It did have a big sticker over the top of the glass. It's D- Dijon mustard. Yeah. Are you going to get any more of them? I want to get the other two, yeah. Lost on him. I love the fact that they've done the Amora in the kind of, they've kind of made an attempt in the Star Wars racetrack logo. <laughs> Should I tell you what made me laugh, though? I bought the first one, and that cost me £18.10 to get to the UK. I bought the second one, it cost me £5. So someone's ripping me off, eh? <laughs> Article 50, Stu. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I need to get the other two quick. Right. Shall we go on to this month's question, which Pete's got? Have I? No, it's me. I'll just wind you up. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm so funny. <laughs> that was a good one. What I've gone with is artwork. We have four little rounds, and we're going to go in. Let's go alphabetical order of first name. Um, I'm expecting a good battle for Grant v. Rich for the title. Oh, Jez and Pete trying to avoid the wooden spoon. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. it. Right. Okay. So you get, I go after Grant. I want to go after Pete. <laughs> what do you know if you go after Grant? Oh, you get more options to get the extra points. <laughs> right, Grant. Okay, the first round is original figure releases. So we're talking about just the, the card backs for the figures, okay? Come so, on. Grant, how many of the photo arts contained a stormtrooper in the photo, and can you name them? Oh my god, that's a really <laughs> difficult question. <laughs> I'll I, I tell you what, we'll, we'll, we'll regroup in a minute. There are three, Grant. There are three cards which contain a stormtrooper on their photo can you name them? as soon as you get one wrong it passes on okay but two points for each one you get correct okay i can name two straight away i'm stuck on the third right name the ones you got i think the stormtroopers definitely got a stormtrooper yeah, well on done. It. i wondered whether you slip up on that <laughs> that was the top <laughs> oh uh, lobot has got a stormtrooper that on is it right yep did we count luke stormtrooper no that is still a luke Ooh, oh, is this my turn? No, I'm going to no. let him have one more guess because I, I can mean, understand where the query is there, Jez. I made the rules up. <laughs> I don't like them. You can't believe <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, my God, that's an impossible question. Is Okay, I'm going to go with maybe I'm the foggiest. <laughs> okay, let's pass it to Jez. Jez, you get one guess? Imperial Stormtrooper? No. The other one was the Black Bespin Guard. Who was second on my points. list? It's Jez. Pete, stand by because you'll probably get a chance. <laughs> Now, now, this is probably a little oh, bit unfair, you listen yes. to me now. <laughs> Seriously. You're only going to get one point for each of your correct answers, Jez, because there's five answers, okay? Ooh. Right, and this is quite straightforward, Jez. How many of the first 12 figures had alternate photo art later in the line? I want them quick. Okay, Ben, Luke Skywalker, yep. 
Yeah. Uh, Chewbacca. Yeah. Darth Vader. Yeah. Han Solo. Well done. Yeah, it was the easiest. You were lucky you were J there. Um, <laughs> does that also count? Whoa, 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 whoa. What about the Trilogo Jawa? Uh, I should have said at the beginning, all of them are Kenner questions unless I state. First of all, right, two things. Imperial Stormtrooper <laughs> is an Imperial Stormtrooper. I need that point. I don't need it. I'm going to win this. But it would just be a good gesture. And I need an apology. From Pete. From you. <laughs> Pete. Pete. What? Okay, okay yours has now got five answers. Oh, no. And you get a point for each. If you don't get them right, it will pass to Rich, okay? Can I just so, go to Rich now? Pete, no, no, you've got another really easy one. These are nice warm-up questions. To get you say easy? Mood. I don't know I've got any of those beforehand. I, I can guarantee, Pete, you'll get all five of these within 20 seconds. Okay? Cool. How many card photo arts didn't include an image of the character of the figure being sold? B-Wing Pilot? Yep, one. A-Wing Pilot? Yep, two. Oh, uh, the Attack Commander? Yep, three. Oh, that's a thing off of my head. Um, ATST Driver? Yep. Oh, yeah, I know that's why it's going my head. Oh, God. Ah. Controversial answer, this will be. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to have to. Enough time. Richard, you get to answer for the last one. You know what? He's got the ones that I was going to say, so. um, All of you just look at your screen, you bunch of. You are kidding me. TIE fighter pilot. (laughs) Well done, Rich. Well, well, see, what about what about cloud car pilot? No, he's in the little cockpit. If you look, I looked him up. I earlier. know, but he's that's a model, isn't it? That's a model. The model. Yeah, but he's still there. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Well, we already had this conversation with Jez. My rules, okay, my game. <laughs> <laughs> right, Rich, you've got seven answers. Brilliant. Yeah, that's the okay. guy who doesn't collect corded figures. Seven. <laughs> so, yeah, but you could get seven points. You get you've got a bigger advantage here. Seven figures, Rich, have mm-hmm. another character on their photo art with them. Which ones? R five D four. Yep. Luke Jedi Knight. Yep. C three PO removable limbs. Yep. Um, I'm going to struggle from there. Oh, um, Lobot. Yep. I'm going to go with the ones that you said the Stormtroopers were on. Um, Black Bespin Guard. Yeah. And how many am I missing? You've got two more. I've Grant, got two ready. more. I'm, it's going to stop me from Jedi. Um, Prune Face. No, incorrect. Grant, two right. left. Can you get them? No. <laughs> Do you want to have a guess? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, go on. Crack. I'll, I'll, I'll have a guess. Oh, these are so difficult. I can't oh, no, it's a nightmare. Spend... The thing is, you spend hundreds of pounds on these things and you don't know anything about them. <laughs> <laughs> you never look at them. This is infuriating. I, I can't think of any. I've, I've got nothing. Well, the other two were R2 Sensor Scope has got 3PO with him. Yeah. And Dengar has got IG-88 peering over the top of the bar. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that, obviously. <laughs> so, at the end of the first round, Grant and Pete coming up the rear like they like to. With four points, Jez on five, and Rich is leading on six. Okay, second Richard round. Richard Watchinson leg. Second round, Okay. There are ten answers. We're just going to keep going around in a circle. If you get one wrong, you're out. If you get oh. it right, you get two points and you carry on, okay? So, we're going the same order for this. So, Grant, Jez, Pete, Rich. I want, on the artwork for the front of the bandolier box, the bandolier box has ten figures on it. Let's go round. Grant, can you name one of them? Uh, Chewbacca. Correct. Jez. Stormtrooper. Incorrect. Jez, you are out. Uh, Pete. Uh, 3PO. That is correct. Oh, hey! Oh, Darth Vader. Correct. Grant. Is it Biker Scout? That's correct. Well done. Oh, no. I nearly said you, Jez, but you're out. Pete. I want to say... I want to say... Uh, Akbar. That's correct. Well done. Is it? Yes. Um, Nine-num. Nine-num is correct. Grant. 
Klatu. That's right. Have you boys all Googled it? <laughs> of course they have. Hey. I'm... <laughs> There's no way they began. <laughs> well, no, no, no. This will be interesting now to see whether they get these last few. Pete. Uh, has anyone said Darth Vader? Yeah. yeah he's gone. Well, uh, Pete's gone. Biker Scout. Biker Scout's already been gone as well. Pete, I'm eliminating you for not listening. Uh, Rich. Han Bespin. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, well he's, he's got it open. Um, let me think. Jedi line, Jedi line. Uh, Weekly? Rich, can you get the last one? Well, it said with I haven't Googled it, but it's sitting on the shelf in front of us. Uh, <laughs> Reese's. Reese's right. Well, well done. Grant, Rich, Euro, and Pete, in fairness, you really took control of that there. Uh, <laughs> well, to be fair, it's only boxed item I actually won. So you picked the perfect one for us. <laughs> hey, Pete. Right. If, uh, Pete, can I just say, have you got your phone in front of you? Uh, I have, yeah. Why? Have you been getting Facebook messages from me? Hang on. Let me have a look. I was- I was reaching out because as soon as I got evicted from that, I was like, right, I'm going to help out Pete now. So I've been rapidly typing <laughs> stuff in. Can you take points off, Jez, for that? Yeah, I think you need to take those points. I've got so I've... many points in right, the bag. Right, Richard and month, Pete, you lose month. a point for asking for points to be deleted from other people. <laughs> but it's Jez. I hate yeah. snitches. Yeah, I was actually being charitable and I was trying to yeah, help you out. You can lose one as well, Jez, for carrying on talking. Right, what? let's go round three. And Bedwin. <laughs> right. <laughs> Grant. That would help. You're first up, Grant? Yes, sir. Okay. Right, this is a two-part question. The first part's worth two points, and then the second part's got three answers, and there's a point for each, okay? Who is piloting the Y-Wing on the front of the box? Oh, this uh, it's one of three characters, and they're all from Return of the Jedi, and I think it's Nine Num. Oh, no, no. Wait, wait. wait. Jez, who is piloting the Y-Wing? I know. I Akbar. No, it is uh, correct, Jez. It, it is, is correct. Yeah. Damn Damn you now have the chance to get the other three bonus points. Who are the other three on the front of the box? I would think there's a droid, so I'm going to say R5. No. No, I'm going to pass this down. Pete, any Lander. of the three? Nine, nine is correct, yep. Lando, I said. What? <laughs> <laughs> how, how am I saying Lando and he's saying that? you got Lando as well. Lando and Nine Num. You're right there, yeah. Pete. One more. Good. Can you get the third one? Oh, I don't know. No idea. Don't want to have a guess. Jez, you're going to send, you're gonna send too that long, Rich, do you want to have a guess for the last one? General oh, Nadine. Yeah, that's nope. correct. Rich, Rich you're all using Google. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the only box GPS one, I think. I must admit, I thought R5D4 was there, because I was thinking the same as Jez, because he's, he's often pictured in the, the cockpit. He's not on the front yeah. part. Yeah. All right. Okay. right. I wonder what oh, no, Lando's doing there. <laughs> Jez, it's your so question. Rational. You're falling behind, so you need this. Okay. Oh, really? Oh, now, there's only one sure answer for this, and that last one was worth... Five points, so you can have five points if you get this right. On the Meccano 12-inch figure box fronts, who is the only Star Wars character you see in a photo that wasn't released as a 12-inch figure? Really what? good question. That's hard. Come on, Jez, you um, Google faster than that. Death Squad Commander? That is incorrect. Pete, do you want to have a quick guess? Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, oh, Han Solo. No, he will, did come out as a 12-inch figure. Uh, Rich, do you want to have a guess? Three points. Is it possibly R5-D4 on the Jawa box? It is. He's on the Jawa box. That's correct. Oh, what? No. Right, we go to Pete. Do you say that's a 12-back? No, 12-inch. You want to listen to the questions, pal? Yeah, I should. (laughs) (laughs) Pal. Oi, pal. (laughs) Right, Pete, a nice easy one for you. Oh, don't give me easy ones. Five answers, point for each. Name five Jabba goon figures that aren't on the Jabba playset box front. (laughs) Weak way? Correct, one. Uh, Nick, two, and uh, uh, so let's go for, what's his name? Uh, uh, the cartoon with the lovely uh, ladyboy skirt. Yeah, for three. Jabba goes, Jabba goes, Jabba goes. Think, 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 think. Ooh, no, he's on there, isn't he? He's definitely on Fine. there. 
Uh, I'm out. I don't know. Yeah, Aren't Rich, me? there's two, two more. Can you name two more um, on it? Bib Fortuna? No, he's on it. Rich, that's um, a point deducted. Uh, Grant, there's two left. Oh, that oh, sorry, on. which ones Which ones have we had, mate? Uh, Weakway, uh, uh, Nick Foe, uh, 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 Klaatu, uh, uh, and Bib. What? Oh, okay. Klaatu, Skiff, Barada. Yep, both of them. Well done. Grant, you take the last two points. What? There's only what's three on the front. That is Bib, Gamorian Guard, and Squidhead. Tough one, that's... Aren't they, um, aren't they prototypes as well? Because you've got the squid over the black it's cape. The black cape, yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So, Rich, probably the easiest of these questions. Five points, only one question, okay? Only one answer. Which figure appears on the photo art the most over the series of mini rigs? Ooh, that's a bloody hard one. Um, I'm going to say Stormtrooper. Which one? Oh, oh you're joking. Oh, well, I'm going, to eliminate, I'm going to eliminate the Luke Stormtrooper. I'm going to say the original. That is incorrect. Yeah, Grant, do you want to have a guess? Hofstorm Trooper. Hofstorm Trooper. Hof Trooper. He is on four of them. <laughs> yes. He is on the Int 4, the MTV 7, the Tripod Laser Cannon, and the ISP 6. Hang on. Uh, why, is he on the, why is he on the ISP 6? He's in his Hoff outfit in the desert. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I have no idea. He's on they, it. They liked a bit of Hoff on those mini rigs, didn't they? They did. And uh, How was that the easiest question? That was the. Come on, Rich, 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 most of the mini-rigs are on Hoff. (laughs) (laughs) True, true, yeah, my bad. Right, so the final round, okay? Uh. And this is another elimination one. We're going to go round in a circle, round in a circle, two points Uh. for each correct answer. If you get one wrong, you're out, okay? So, the three Millennium Falcon boxes, the Uh. original Kenner ones, Star Wars, Empire, and Return of the Jedi, 21 characters have appeared on the front of the box, Okay, we're going to go round, we're going to knock them all off. So Grant, give me the first one that's on, on one of those boxes. Uh, Stormtrooper. No cheating this time, boys, okay? <laughs> Which <Yes>. one? <laughs> uh, Stormtroopers should be on the, well, it's on the original, there's loads of them. It is, it? it is, there's uh, seven of them on there, yeah. Uh, Jez? Hambespin. Hambespin is on one, a bit of a random one to go with, you've definitely got it up on Google. Uh, Pete? <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, well, I know, Luke Skywalker, I guess, in his farm boy flanges. That is correct, yeah. He's, he's on there. the original Star Wars box. Rich? Yes. Surely Chewbacca's on there. Chewbacca is on two, the Empire and the Return of the Jedi one. Well done. Grant? Uh, Lobot. Lobot is on the Empire one. Well done. Chez? We said Vader yet? Because I'm not going to say Vader. I'm not going to say Vader. I'm going to say... <laughs> Reyes! <laughs> Reyes is on the Return of the Jedi box, Chez. one I uh, got. Uh, Google's helping you massively tonight, uh, Pete. <laughs> Your rules. Uh, there's got to be three PO now. I'm sure he's on the Star Wars one with Luke having a cup of tea. Three PO, yes, he is. Grant, he's um. Grant, Grant, yeah. Rich, call me Darcy. Uh, I love a point. I love a point. Uh, Lando. Lando is mate. Yep. Grant. Luke Jedi. Luke Jedi is on the Return of the Jedi box. You're right, Jez. Yeah, I think it's Leah Bush. <laughs> oh come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to be one more skill while he's going to get flushed. Uh, Pete? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'd say R2. He's probably there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, R2 is on two of them. Oh! Empire and Return of the Jedi. Yes. Rich? I was going to say that. Um, isn't Oogie the Ugnaught underneath one of them? He is on the Empire box. Yeah, well done. Grant? Boba Fett? Fett is on the Jedi one. Yeah. Jez? We said Neen Num yet. You tell me, <gasps> have we? I don't know. That... I'm going to say Nine Num. That is correct, Jez. Well done. Dude, not, not well done, not well done at all. He flew it in <laughs> Jedi. Know your film's better. Back Pete, in the box what are we going with? Um, I've got a feeling on the Empire, if you said all those other ones, there must be a white best guard. There must be. There is a white best guard. Yeah, your face is. His just loaded up. Face uh, it. Rich. 
Han Bespin. Oh, it's already I'm gone, bad. Rich. You are eliminated. Oh, you should be no. listening to the game. I'm not listening to the game. It's dull. Oh! <laughs> um, I'm, well, if he said hand best, then I'm going to go with Leia Bespin. Leia Bespin is on there. Well done. Yes. I'm going to go with this slight variant moustache, white Bespin guard, because I think there were, on what? one of them, there was three white Bespin guards. Yeah, but we don't want... You know, I'm not going to take seven Stormtroopers. They've got to be different characters. Hang on, hang on. That's already been said. That's already been Stormtrooper said. Yeah, it's already been said. He's, Jez, Jez is just another one that's not really listening. Oh, His I was listening. That's why I said I'm going to... So, Pete, there is oh. still five we haven't got. Oh, Dengar. Dengar is correct. Oh, what? What's he on? He's on the Empire box. Uh, is Grant. he? Obviously, obviously Pete and the Jedi. From, from the film Empire Strikes Back. I know, but I, that was just a wild guess. <laughs> no, it bloody wasn't. It He's is. also I'm, on the I'm Jedi bad. one as well. It's in front of me on Google. Oh, oh, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm out of juice. Uh, R2-D2 Sensorscope? Hmm. Someone's already said R2, and I just kind of accepted it. I'll let you have another guess. Hang on. If I was going to buy a carded figure, and one of them was an R2, and the other one was a sensor scope, it'd be a big difference, wouldn't it? It would be. You're right. It would be. But um, mm-hmm. I kind of just took that, because it's the sensor scope on, because he's not on okay. the box. Fair enough, mate. I'll say randomly Lambuska. La- what? Lambuska. <laughs> Lambuska. I thought you said Lambuska. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> Pete, three left. No idea, Ben. That is incorrect, Pete. Oh. So, Grant, do you know the last three? Oh, and Ben Kenobi is on the box, isn't he? No, not on the front. On the front? Oh, my Surprise, God. Surprise, I didn't expect him to be there. The Stormtroopers mm. around the bottom, and then it's got someone you're missing, and, so. and Chewbacca and Fireboy. Maybe he's in the secret and so. compartment. Uh, uh, someone said the original C-3PO yet? Yeah, yeah 3PO's gone, yep. Han oh. Solo. Oh, that's his guess. He's out. Yeah, he's you're not right, listening. You're right. Yeah, sorry, Grant. <laughs> right, you were missing, amazingly, Han Solo, which is Jez is whispering. Oh. The Black Best Bingard and Klaatu. Oh, Klaatu? Really? Well, this is, I'll tell you what, this is really tight. Okay, the winner, Oof. the winner had 31 points, and that was Grant. Oh. He sailed away with it. Grant, yes. I believe he was the only one that didn't use Google. So, well done, Grant. Thank you, <laughs> Hey, mate. I didn't use Thank Google you. on the last one. Thank you so much. Two of you finished on 22 points, and then there was a oh. massive loser on 14 points. Considering some of the answers were for five, that is disgusting. <laughs> And they need to get an education. Jez, you got 14 <laughs> points. Je- oh, Jez. Day's loser. Oh, Jez. What a surprise. Oh, Jez. There we I go again. I think we're all winners, really. I, uh, no, I'm, I'm, Did you I'm just say we're all winners? Yeah, we're all winners. I'm looking for the black best bin guard um, on some internet search engine. Can't see him. Yeah, I'm I can't sure. see him either. No, sure. I mean, <laughs> I bet he's on there. I've now got doubts now you're saying that, yeah. Right, the, 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 the picture looking very shadowy, but it's definitely a white one. <laughs> he's, so, he's underneath the thing. Yeah, he's underneath. Everyone. That's the one, isn't it? Is he black? No, he's not. He's white. Oh, but I thought that's right. Whoever said black's wrong. Oh, so Jez, you away. lose another two points. Oh, Jez. Jez. Back the truck up even further. Well, I think, if you think about it, the uh, the Black Vespin Guard was one of the last figures released on the Empire line, and that's an Empire box Falcon, which probably came... 8081 maybe didn't they release the original empire falcon box with the original artwork that the storm is on yes they did and you could yeah especially in on paddy toy so lots of confusion there yeah interesting well there you go do you know what i really wanted to get the um the rebel transporter with everyone sitting in it and get the ones that weren't in it but um i couldn't find it, it in my garage i want to know what Carter was doing um uh, you know lurking around a millennium falcon What's all that about? Why Clarto are not Rees? Yeah, well, well, both of them. What are they doing? Trying yeah. to steal it? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Let's go to uh, Rebel Briefings, yeah? Yep. Yeah, we're going to close down Google now. Yeah. 
I was on Bing. And Grant. <laughs> uh, no, actually, excuse me, I've been collecting all my life. <laughs> and I had the Chewbacca box on my shelf in front of it, so that was really handy. And Grant also had Google open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just no, looking at no, no, Jess, he didn't. Can we, can we stop making accusations? Oh, it's not an accusation. Jess, you it's had Google truth. open and you were first out on every round, so. <laughs> I think there was an agenda there, mind. I think there was. My rules. <laughs> Another yeah. point gone. You're now down to nine. Just keep going, mate. You'll be minus by the end of the night. <laughs> Anybody whose middle name is Paul, out. Yep, another point down. Good, good point. Right. Rebel briefings. Baggy Gay update, update. Celebration plans are now in the main computer. The Rebel base is on a moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. Rich, have you got an update on our update on Baggy Gay? I do indeed, Stu. I wanted Rebel briefings this month to be entirely about celebration, but Jeff has posted on Source from UK in response to some of the questions that we put to him on the last podcast. So I think it's important that we give his responses to the audience so that those who aren't members of Source from UK get both sides of the story. And Jeff's shared some information here which we knew, uh, but we didn't know if some of it was personal and he didn't want it to get out. Jeff's now posted pretty much everything on there, and he's been quite candid, so we're going to go right the way through all of his points, um, and then the audience can make their mind up as they see fit. So, firstly, Jeff wants to stress that all of his baggies, around 700 is the number that's been touted, are all at UKG for inspection. Now, we're well aware of that, because Jeff said a couple of weeks ago that he was sending them all off to UKG. We have no indication at all whatsoever from Steve at UKG what he thinks of those baggies, but that's where they all are. Jeff says that he's been very quiet lately um, because he's been busy in his personal life. We are aware that he's going through a divorce at the moment and anybody who's been through anything like that can understand why um, his time's been diverted elsewhere. So he hasn't been as active as he'd like to have been addressing some of the concerns. Now, what he's also said is if anybody has the following baggies in as-sold condition, then if you return them to Jeff, he said that you will get a full refund, and that's posted on stores from UK. So any of the baggies that I'm going to go through now, if you're not happy with them, send them back to Jeff in the same condition that you bought them, and you will get a full refund. Now, the first one I want to talk about is the red Made in Hong Kong baggies. Now, I was aware of this already, but I couldn't remember where I'd heard it, so I wasn't sure if it was private or not. But Jeff has now posted to say that, yes, he did have four of those red text baggies, and yes, he did sell one on eBay. However, he claims to have sold it to a collector who asked him if he had a mint low-grade. He says that he explained it to the collector what he'd had, and the collector was more than happy buying that baggy with full disclosure. So it's put on eBay with a buy now of somewhere around about the £30 mark, and the, the buyer was quite happy buying that and knowing that he was getting a mint low-grade. He was not buying it for the case of the red text baggy. Now, hopefully, that baggy has now been opened and the red text bag has been destroyed, but we've got no indication of that. So, if anybody did buy that off Jeff, we'd love to hear from you. 
Next, the Boba Fett and Bosk from Star Wars Bay Baggies. He admits that he did tell Lawrence Dyer that he only had one of the Boba Fett baggies. He doesn't explain why, and we don't know why he said that, but you know he has come forward and said, yes, I did say that Lawrence Dyer. Now, what he said is, he says he did buy a lot of badly worn baggies, and he just assumed that they, they arrived like that, they were old. He said that he has sold three, and all three have been returned to him and a full refund given. Now, that has been disputed by one or two members of the community, but we've got no further to go on than that. So, the Boba Fett um, Star Wars Bay baggies have been returned, and apparently a full refund has been given on those bags. Moving on to the Tri-Logo Fett Palatoy A. Now, what he's saying on this one is he purchased a lot of items from a guy on eBay who also sold fishing gear. So, I'm thinking that this is somebody in the States who may have been selling fishing gear and Star Wars baggies. So, if any of our listeners from the States is aware of that, we'd love to be able to track this guy down if possible. And what he's saying is he bought lots of Star Wars Seagredos, some Blue Snag baggies, Empire Strikes Back Leia, and he then asked the guy if he had any others lying around, and the guy said, yep, I've got quite a lot of baggies, and he sold quite a few job lots to Jeff, and in those job lots were 15 Trilogo Fets. Twelve arrived with mailer boxes, which Jeff said was not advertised as part of the auction. The, so he bought, you'd expect him 15 Trilogo Fets, he got 15 Trilogo Fets and 12 mailer boxes. So he assumed that those mailer boxes belonged to those Trilogo Fets and sold them as a pay. We now know that those mailer boxes are actually nine num boxes. So he's claiming ignorance on that one. He's saying the three were loose, and those were possibly the ones that had the paint issues. Um, now, there's a lot of assumptions made there, and is he naive? Only he can answer that question. With regards to the return of the Jedi eye baggies, what he's queen about that one is he says he's been told that that figure's not correct, and yet he still hasn't had a single one returned to him. So whoever's bought the return of the Jedi eye baggies, you know, he's saying, if it's not correct, why has that baggie not been returned to him? So if anybody's got one of those and is concerned, by all means, contact Jeff. The purple text baggies, he said he wasn't unsure, so he asked for Frank's opinion on them. He'd already purchased them by the time that Frank had told them that they weren't legit. So he said, yeah, I bought them, and I know they're not legit. That's his response to that one. The Empire Strikes Back C Pinhead. Now, this one's possibly the one that's causing the most problem at the moment, because he is adamant that, yes, he brought that over to Father's from, but it was not for sale. If you can remember from the last report, this was the one that has the, the Hasbro figure inside the baggie. He said he brought it over for a second opinion. He wasn't sure if he was fake. He's still quite adamant that there is no evidence to suggest that this baggie is fake. He said it's at Steve at UKG who's fully aware of the claims about the baggie, but he hasn't had a decision one way or the other about this item. But he is adamant that he did not offer that for sale for this form. Ed Grant, who's the owner of Stars from UK, he is adamant that Jeff did indeed quote a price for that baggie. The Bosque Mailers. Now, he said that there's no indication that the mailers with the same addresses are fake. And he said that UKJ have claimed that some have indeed been found in the past that have been addressed to the same person multiple times. Whether that was a factory error, whether it was a child sending away for more than one figure through the mail, who's to know? But he's absolutely adamant that there's no indication that those are fake. He denies that any of them smell like glue and he denies that any of them are fresh in any kind of way. He's fairly adamant that he has got the, his vast amount of baggies and he's quoted uh, 1,500 baggies. That's a lot of baggies, one and a half thousand. And he's adamant that he's done that through networking, through buying small items from guys on eBay, getting into conversations and saying to those guys, look, do you have any more for sale? 
and that's how he's amassed this huge quantity. He wants to stress that he has never manufactured, faked, reproduced any baggy or any other kind of item. He still stresses his innocence. That's Jeff's response to all of the questions that have been put to him on the last podcast. If anybody's concerned about any of the baggies that they've got that they bought from Jeff, head over to Stores for UK, contact Steve at UKG, or we've now found that Jeff is going to be at Father's Farm in May. So if you want to head down to Father's Farm and talk to him and go through the baggies and explain your concerns, by all means do so. I'm sure he's going to be more than happy to talk to you about the baggies that he's got. Right, so next up is um, a sad one for me to hear you all getting excited about. It's celebration plans. Uh, Rich, you're going to take us through the plans for the event? We've had a lot of questions about celebration, where we're going to be, where people are going to find us to get swag, etc. So we're hopefully going to answer all those questions now. And what I've also done is I've had a look through the celebration panels. I've had a look through all the Facebook um, posts that I've found. And I've tried to pull as much vintage together as possible to really show that there's a lot of vintage going on in this celebration. So the first thing I want to look at is um, any plans that we've got, where we're likely to be, where we're likely to be hanging out. And I think most of us are arriving on the Tuesday, but it'll be pretty late on. And it won't be until the Wednesday where we start to get out and about. So, lads, I don't know about you lot, but I'm sick of hearing about people saying that they're going shopping on Wednesday. And for me, celebration, I'm not going to go shopping, you know, when I'm at celebration. It's all going to be about socialising, hanging around in the bars, collecting the tickets. You'll see us out and about all over the place on Wednesday. Um, my advice to you, though, is... If we see you after about 7 o'clock at night, we probably won't remember you the next day. So by all means, come back and introduce yourself again on Thursday if it looks as though that we've forgotten you. On Thursday, of course, is when it all kicks off. And I want to highlight a few things on Thursday. So I've got two in particular. At 11 o'clock on Thursday in the Star Wars social room, there is a a meet-get-together party at W305. And that's organised by <laughs> they've changed the name again this set of groups it's now the Star Wars Timeline Groups and those are the the Ross Bar Star Wars 2021 Empire Strikes Back etc etc and Brian Angel who was on last month said he's an admin at Empire Strikes Back group so for one hour they've got slot in the Star Wars social room for people to go down chat meet trade do whatever of course, one of the things that we're really looking forward to is the archive party, which is on at 7 o'clock in the evening in the Hyatt Regency Ballroom queue. Now, this does make me smile, this, the Hyatt Regency Ballroom queue, because that suggests that there's a ballroom A, B, C, D, etc., etc., so that must be a huge place to have that many ballrooms. And I believe all of us, is that correct? Is every one of us going to be at the archive party? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was yeah. brilliant last time. It was such good fun. Well, we should all be at the archive party, hopefully, and we should have our swag and our posters, and by all means, just come up and have a chat. We'd love to talk Star Wars with you. On Friday, the Imperial Commissary are organised to meet up. Now, this seems to be quite a big deal, this. This is at the Clarion Inn in the Dolphin Room, and this is directly opposite the Convention Centre, and that starts at 2pm. So what they've listed is a programme of things. So at 2pm the doors are going to open. They've got some Star Wars trivia quizzes going on between 3 and 4. Between 4 and 5 they've got mingling, they've got buying and selling and trading. They're going to do some group photos and other things. They've got from quarter past 5 to 6 o'clock more buying and selling and trading going on. There's some eating event going on at 6 o'clock to 6.30. And then from 6.30 to 7 they've got charity raffles. They've got um, other competitions etc going on. 
and at 7 7 p.m. it closes, and 9 p.m. they're kicked out when the hotel bar closes. So if anybody's interested in the IC meetup, 2 p.m. till 9 p.m. at the Clarion Hill, the Dolphin Room. This is like a this is like a fringe convention to the main celebration. Good on the IC guys for organising that. I mean, Pete, you you were the one who pushed the IC to us, you know, a couple of months ago now. Twelve thousand members, certainly yeah. a lot of people. So so good on them, you know. If they've got yeah, their yeah. own little thing over the road there, I'm sure you know. If, if we've got some time, we might go over there and check them out for you know. Of course we will. They've got a bar. Yeah. Got pizza as well. Pizza in a bar. What yeah. more do you need? Now, one of the big highlights for me is room sales. So, after the IC party finishes at 9, you don't have too long to wait. Approximately 11pm, room sales are at the Rosen Centre, the second floor in the ballroom areas. And I'm hopefully you're going to pick up some good bargains there. Moving on to Saturday, we've got two events going on. We've got the Swap Meet, which is at the Collector Social Room. Again, that's W305, between 7 and 9pm. And then you've got two parties happening at exactly the same time. You've got the Facebook party, or the second Facebook party, that's between 8.30 and 1.30am, that's at the King's America to change a venue, I can't remember the old venue, but the new event, the new venue is the King's America, and that's the Jason Smith, Gary Hayward and Trevor Hopper's event that they're organising on Facebook. At exactly the same time, there's a podcaster party going on at Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar in Disney Springs, and that's Jedi News, Coffee with Kenobi, Fangirls Going Rogue, and various other podcasts, they're hanging out in that place as well. So there's two parties going on exactly the same time. At present, there doesn't seem to be a lot of plans for Sunday or Monday, but I'm sure you're going to see us after the closing ceremony on Sunday evening as we wind down heading home on the Monday. Why, this celebration is exploding, isn't it? It's growing. It is because it's growing out of the convention centre and it's going in all different directions. It's absolutely That's fantastic. Amazing. It is. Party on, I'm actually party really on. looking forward to this now. It's going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> Stu is still on. Um, so I think it sounds alright. It sounds a bit mediocre. I, I wouldn't worry about it, Stu. I, I think it'll be fine, mate. <laughs> yeah, it, looks a bit, it sounds a bit naff, really. I'll be honest with you, I'd much, much rather be at work. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll periscope it for you, Stu. Yeah, I mean, the weather's going to be nice and, and just... No, it's going to be raining all the dry. time, Jeff. Okay, moving on then. So, <laughs> thankfully, the stage schedules have been um, published. Uh, they've been changed umpteen times now, and hopefully they've settled down. So I'm just going to whiz through some of the stage schedules, again, only looking at the vintage areas, or the, or the areas that vintage collectors may be interested in. So most of these are on the Galaxy stage, and they will be beamed to the Celebration stage and some of the other stages as well. So starting off on Thursday between 11 and 12.30, something that I'm really looking forward to is 40 years of Star Wars, and that's Warwick Davis, Kathleen Kennedy, and special guests opening Celebration. 40 years of Star Wars, I'm sure that's going to be fantastic. Well, hang on there, Rich. What do you reckon that's about? Because they said that there's going to be an announcement there. Do you reckon... Do you reckon a Blu-ray or Star Wars Special Edition 2? I'm hoping it's going to be Blu-ray. That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting the original. Even if we got the ones that came on the DVDs with the Special Editions, was it back in 2004? 2006. 2006. Even if we got those on Blu-ray, I'd be happy. Oh, you're kidding me. Nope, I'd be happy with those. You can't be happy with that. Those are rubbish visions. Um, What if it was... We've made another special edition. So we've gone back to the original film. We've got rid of the Rontos. We've got, like, you know, you'll have, like, K2SO walking around in the background. So, and so the, the despecialized your mind? special editions. Yeah, special edition two. <laughs> no, kind of see it. Definitely not. Okay. Not at all. I don't think you're going to get um, what you're asking there, Rich. Yeah, but your opinion doesn't count because you're not going. 
So it's staying on Thursday between 2 and 3, Smooth Talking with Billy Dilly Williams, so he's been giving his panel. Um, I'm really looking forward to that one because I haven't met Billy Dilly, Billy D yet, so that would be great. Billy Dilly D. That's a guy. <laughs> 3.30 to 4.30, Star Wars Authentic Autographs on the Star Wars fan stage. I think that one's going to be quite interesting. Between 4 and 5, we've got Ian McDiarmid and Ray Park, Moan and Darth Sidious, uh, the Rule of Two panel, which I think may be interesting as well. But this one was a late edition, this one. I don't know if you've seen this one, Grant. Half 5 or Half 6, Star Wars 365 with ILM supervisor John Knowles looking at the special effects in the original The New Hope. I think that's going to be fascinating. Wow, that's what he's going to be talking about, special edition too, and how much they've got, like, Jin and Ray in the backgrounds of Moss Eisley. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Moving on to Friday, 11 and 12.30, I, th- I think everybody's going to be at this panel, The Last Jedi. Is that when we're going to get the trailer? I would think so, Rich. Well, how, when, so. when's this? I thought this, they would open up with The Last Jedi. Nope, The Last Jedi's huh? on Friday between 11 yeah. and 12.30. I'd imagine it's because of the availability of the stars, I would think. They probably can't get it on the Thursday, so they've moved it to the... I don't, well, mate, I, don't think work, I, think... I don't think the stars work 9 to 5 Monday to Friday like us. <laughs> no, no, but, but a lot of them are still, I mean, they are, I mean, they are doing some filming and doing other projects and stuff, so I imagine their availability is more towards the weekend, isn't it, than, the, uh, than during the week. This yes. is a celebration of the whole Star Wars thing. That's why it's important that the 40th, the reflection of the whole period, is, is first and foremost. I mean, let's face it, The Last Jedi was, we're all excited about it. Oh. It's just one more film, isn't it? Can I just uh, can I just make a really good point here? <laughs> really good vintage point. Okay, what's your favourite Star Wars film? And people say Empire or Star Wars. Well, they'd answer Jedi, but they can no longer answer Jedi because it could be the last Jedi. Messed everything up, didn't it? Yeah, we're going to call well. it the last. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Return. Moving on. Uh, half one to half two. Warwick Davis has his own panel, but I think that one's going to be quite audience-oriented way is going to be asking audience members to get up and get involved in the panel. Um, so I'm not too sure about that one. This one, though, another late edition. Half five or half six, Mark Hamill hosting a tribute to Carrie Fisher. So I think that one's Brilliant. going to be quite powerful, that one, and I can expect tickets for that one being really hot. Brilliant. That will be brilliant. And all of these will be are available on YouTube as well, so don't go lose your mind if you don't see it. Yeah. Friday evening, Rogue One and A New Hope will be shown together as a double feature. Then moving on to Saturday. Saturday, we've only got a few panels on the Saturday at the moment. So between half one and half two, C3PO panel hosted by Anthony Daniels. Between half two and half three, on the behind-the-scenes stage, Tom Spina and Pablo Hidalgo are going to be talking about Cantina Aliens and with a specific focus on the problems that they had filling them the Moss Eisley cantina scene back in a new hope so i think that one also could be really interesting yep on saturday evening empire strikes back between the jedi and the force awakens is a triple showing so three movies together on saturday evening interesting that absolutely no prequels at all in any of that on the sunday at the moment we've only got two panels that have vintage links in them the first one is between one and two hamill himself the mark hamill panel and the closing ceremony, which I'm hoping that we're going to get something better than what we've got in London. At the very, very least, they should announce where and when 2019 celebration is going to be. Hey, do, you to, do you want a better point on what's, what it's going to be? Anaheim. Uh, no, what they're going to show. What they're going to show at the closing ceremony? Yeah, I reckon they're going to show some video footage of the new Han Solo. Now, that would be great. That would be really good. Yeah. That. 
you know, if he, those doors open and he's got his gun out, oh, mate. Yeah, I think you get the Han Solo title as well. Yeah. Well, all exciting. Oh, Han, Jez, can you give, give us a Han Solo title that you, that you think would be good? Castle Run. Castle Run, okay, very good. I'm glad Jez is not doing the titles. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Pete. If you if you could do better, then please. I want I want something like the old the old books, like the uh, Han Solo, the last uh, end, or whatever it was called. Those sort of things, kind of crazy titles. Brilliant. Han Solo at the last end. What was, what was yeah. it called? What was the called? Stars that end. book. Stars End. Yeah, that sort of thing. Okay. Kessel run. Kessel means that that's one part. It's got to spread six years of his life, apparently. So it won't be just based on that. So yeah, he's eighteen. Eighteen to twenty-four. So the Kessel Run will be one tiny element, wouldn't it? I had two seconds to answer that. Come on, Jez. Back on. Next, I want to focus on the collecting track panel highlights. And you've all went through the collecting track panel with me, and you've each chosen something that you would, you know, go and see if you could. If there was, uh, you got front row tickets. These were the ones that you pick. So starting off on Thursday between six and seven, Star Wars display in advertising. Ron Salvatore, Tom Chamberlain, and Will Grief. So Grant, I think that's one that you would be particularly interested in. I've got a hand solo title. Hand solo versus King Kong. Oh, that's rubbish. How's that? Yeah, the <laughs> um, the Star Wars displays and advertising with Ron Salvatore, Don Chamberlain, and Will Grief. Obviously, I purchased a uh, one of those uh, the the uh, Pepper Ridge Farm cookie display from Todd Chamberlain. So, obviously, uh, last month, so I'm obviously interested in this. Uh, these guys actually have a great Facebook page as well, which is well worth checking out for all kinds of vintage store displays. Um, you know, last time I saw this panel, I saw a lot of stuff I'd never seen before. But what is actually interesting about this panel is they're going all the way from vintage original trilogy all the way up to Rogue One. So, you know, there's a lot of modern stuff uh, on the collecting track this time. I'm not sure whether that's a push by Disney or, or whatever. I mean, I've got a ton of the uh, modern displays. I didn't actually think people were interested in that stuff. So, you know, maybe I could trade it and take it to a good home. So it's quite surprising. I hope they show, uh, I think last time, was it last time that they showed the Empire Strikes Back Deca-headed display, which has got Yoda on it with a monobrow. So I think everyone needs to see that. Um, interesting thing about the collecting track as well, when they did the displays before, because of the actual panel itself, they actually unearthed an early bird display, which hadn't been uh, seen before, proved to exist, and uh, it was found because of someone sitting in and... Um, uh, and listening to the uh, the display panel. So I think it's going to be uh, phenomenal. I'll definitely be there. And something that I should have mentioned first, and I know you've said going all the way from Star Wars right with Rogue One, a lot of the panels on Thursday, Friday and Saturday are an hour. And the ones on the Sunday were 45 minutes, where I think, if correct if I'm wrong, um, usually the panels are only 45 minutes long. So some, so a lot of these have been yeah. extended with full hour. Can I, can I ask you guys a really quick question? Do you, you know, it's quite surprising on the collecting track how much uh, modern stuff there is. wonder if that's sort of like been influenced by the fact that you can sort of like, you know, you can make money from Disney and uh, Lucasfilm can make money from the modern stuff and they'd like to have that represented far much more than vintage right, where they wouldn't receive any income from. I think that's probably true on a lot of the areas like the podcast stage and... Um, probably factors in their decisions for who can get somewhere, for example, you know, the, the fan stages and things like that. But I'm not sure about the collecting track because I think... Yeah, Gus, they've had Lego, haven't they? They've had yeah, Lego before. Yeah, 
I think Gus Gus has given kind of free reign on that one. I certainly I'd, I don't know this, but I expect he has, and I'd imagine yeah. he's had. It wouldn't surprise me if he's had a hundred applications for these panels. Um, sure. He's probably went okay. Well, I have a bit from here, I have a bit from there, a bit from there, and a bit from there, and he's he's ended up with what he's got. I think it's probably true what you've said though. In that modern is where the money is for Disney. You know, Disney don't care if a carded figure sells for five grand because it makes them no money. You know, yeah, I was quite quite surprised to see things like. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything about Funko Pops, and I don't want to make a judgment on it because I haven't seen the panel. It's probably at a fantastic panel. I know myself how difficult it is. Well, thanks to Craig Spivey and Mark Daniels, how difficult it is to put a panel together. But Funko Pops wouldn't have much of a history, would they? So I wonder what they're talking about. Probably the depth, Grant, I think. For the depth, of, there's so much stuff coming out from I, Funko Pops you know, all the time. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know anything about it. I do like the uh, Hoff Wampa Funko Pop. There's, I, mean, I mean, you have exclusives from... Uh, I mean, they're, they're very heavy on exclusives at various places and shops, and they do massive tie-ins with, you know... But, the, um, but that's not. But that's not history. That's a catalogue. Oh no, 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 absolutely. But I mean, as I said, that that's that's what the. I mean, it's not about history, but is it? It's the it's the depth of the the collecting. I mean, there, there's so much of it. I mean, they dwarf, um, you know, Hasbro in terms of releases. It's just constant, constant. Every day, there's like a new. And I'm not just talking just Star Wars, but obviously all the all the licenses they've got. But I think that's where they come across it. Is just the the, the sheer numbers of. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, I've I've already got six rays. I think. <laughs> It's, just, it's gone mad, isn't it? The it's Pop. absolutely incredible. But like I said, I mean, they would just talk about. Um, well, I think there's quite a lot, lot, lot to talk about because so many figures have got so many versions already. I mean, like I said, about six rays, there's hundreds of Princess Lears, Han Solos. You know, they 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 release all the time. I mean, that's why they, they they've got about twelve exclusive at the the, uh, the show themselves. I mean, how many have Hasbro got? You know, in the three point seven five figure lines. So uh, yes, there's no history, but yes, there's just a lot of stuff. Okay, interesting. They're just satisfying um, supply and demand, aren't they? I mean, if you think about it, we're all Star Wars junkies and, and we'll lap up whatever we're given. And I'm sure in the past people have seen the collector's panels and it's just always been vintage. And then some of the younger generation now who will have Power of the Force stuff and, and various different bits which they've been collecting and they're probably thinking, what about me? How can I celebrate? So whilst there is a, a sort of corporate greed point of view, which you know people might be hinting at, I'm sure they're also just trying to spread the love a little bit and, and satisfy as many people as possible. You look how much Rebels has grown now uh, over the last couple of years, and now it's got its own stage. Uh, and um, so I, I just think they're just trying to keep as many people happy as possible. So, on the Friday, between 12 and 1, one that I'm looking forward to is The Art of Packaging Vintage Star Wars, and that's being presented by Matthias Rendell. Now, I've always said that Star Wars packaging doesn't really interest me that much, and it doesn't really, but what I do get interested in is people's passion in things like, um, you know, artwork and, and other things that I perhaps don't have the appreciation for. I much more prefer the historical perspective, and that's what Matthias gives us. And he's promised to give us stories from the original Kenner designers, showing rarely seen sketches, artwork and proof cards. If his book and new proof is anything to go by, I'm sure this is going to be absolutely fascinating. And I'm hoping to get some sneak peeks on his new book. Um, between half four and half five, Star Wars props, and that's being hosted by Gus and I've put on friends because there's a lot of people on this panel. Jez, I don't know if you were at Essen with me and Grant when Gus did a similar Star Wars props panel over there. Um, what, what do you think of this one? Yeah, Rich, 
I went to the Essen one. I liked it so much. I went to the London one as well because uh, I expect this one to be uh, to be a big hitter. It was certainly one of the longest queues when we we're in London, and uh, and there was a lot of disappointed people. Um, you've got the whole variety uh, of collectors in there, uh, both from the states. Uh, so you've got Brandon with Gus, but you've also got Andy Golden as well from the UK covering. Basically, it's it's prop hunting. So it's not just stars. It's it's all about collecting props and and tips and how to start and where people can go and it shows what they've got in the past. Um, the majority of this is based on stars itself. There's always some uh, props which you're going to want to see, and then they direct everyone to their stall afterwards to have a little look. Really good. I remember at London they produced an Atat driver helmet which was uh, quite literally uh, one of a kind. I'm pretty sure it was one of a kind. There might be two, uh, but it's it's a really, really great panel. The thing is, since London, you know, we're having more and more films. There's other things coming out. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to finding out what surprises they've got. But it's it's a great panel, and uh, and I would start queuing for that one early. I must admit, Nesson, I never thought I'd found... Tuscan Raider tubes as fascinating as I did. So if anybody's interested at all in props from the original movies, that's the panel to go to. On Saturday between 3 and 4, Star Wars at the Movies. This is presented by Stephen Danley, Sky Payne and one or two of their friends. So Pete, I believe Star Wars in the Movies and um, the things that they're going to be discussing, that's right down your alley. Yeah, it actually sounds pretty interesting because uh, it's not just a panel panel because I know that sometimes uh, you know a bunch of guys sitting there and going through slides, but they're actually... This, this one actually labelling as a narrative-driven panel, so they're actually te- telling a story uh, through the eyes of a, um, a fan and uh, yeah, from, from, the, from collecting in the 1980s. So um, you said that Stephen and uh, Sky are on it, also joined by Ron Salvatore and Todd Chamberlain, so all people we love and know. So uh, I think that should be pretty good. But that kind of carries on from the, the, the website they've been doing about that. I mean, it's obviously a, a part of a larger project all about... Um, Printed materials, uh, film tie-ins with the figures and stuff. So, I think that'd be pretty good. I think anyone, anyone interested in collecting that stuff. I know that some of you guys. I know Jez, you pick up a few of the um, well movie kind of uh, brochures and stuff. So, uh, uh, sounds pretty interesting. And, and, uh, but I'm absolutely fascinated by this narrative-driven panel, though. That's that's really caught my attention. On Sunday, there is a panel called A Singaporean Perspective. Now, Stu, I know that you're not going to celebration, but we've often talked about who to get on as guests, and we've both said that we'd love to get one of the Singapore guys on there. So this one's been delivered by Derek Coe. Do you think this panel would be a fascinating one, and would you like to be there? Yes. <laughs> I, mate, I would, do you know what? I would, Spot on. <laughs> I'm definitely going to do my very best to attend this, because if I don't... I'm fascinated with those Singapore fan club red stickers that you see on the front of Kenner carded figures. I don't know hardly anything about them, and I hope they sort of discuss that kind of stuff. I went to the um, Scandinavian one at uh, London and just learnt so much, and I should think it'd be the same with the Singapore stuff. You well, know, Scan- Scandinavia is like miles away from Singapore. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I didn't <laughs> realise what was came out in Scandinavia and how it worked out there, and I should think it would be a very similar sort of panel, but with Singapore as the focus. So, yeah, it'd be really good. Go along, boys. Other panels that I'd like to very, very quickly mention um, that are all focused towards vintage are 40 Years of Star Wars Collecting, Rancho Obi-Wan, How to Display Food Products, Displaying Your Star Wars Collection, The Impact of Social Media on Star Wars Collecting, 40 Years of Film Memorabilia, Star Wars Collecting Journeys, Star Wars Collecting Scandals, 
time travelling around toy factories around the world, which I think is going to be fascinating, looking at the Lily Dadeen, the Palatoy, and the Meccano factories. And it ends with two uh, very, very similar panels, one focusing on Argentinian Star Wars collectibles, and the last one focusing on Spanish Star Wars collectibles. So the collectors track panels, that's where it's at. On the toy floor, there are going to be lots and lots of booths, and many of them are going to be aimed at vintage toy collecting. So you'll see the guys from EFA, you'll see Cass, who are a new grading company who have set up in the States very, very recently. They've got a booth. GW Acrylic are also going to be around about. Lots and lots of shops that are selling vintage toys, such as Cantina Collectibles and Atomic Age Collectibles. And there are also going to be plenty of fan club tables out there. Noticeable ones are Rebel Scum, the Force.net, the Pennsylvania Star Wars Collecting Society, PSWCS, in particular have some great swag to pick up. They have medallions and they've got patches and they are all available for fundraising for a great cause. And many of the collectors groups also have booths as well. So we'll be sure to check out all of those and pick up any um, swag that they have available. Finally, one of the most important booths at Celebration, and we're starting to get some good news from this one, as we've already heard in the start of the show, is the Stormtrooper Runner. So, Jez, I'm going to pass it over to you now. The Stormtrooper Runner booth, what can you tell us about that? Cheers, Rich. Well, hopefully I won't be feeling like I am at the moment, because, uh, as you know, I had a bit of a fall yesterday. <laughs> it was my first fall whilst out training in the costume. And, uh, yeah, I've got a bit of a sore arm, and <laughs> I've got a bit of a sore leg. But there we go. Um, what can you expect to see at the booth? Well, still working on it, actually. I don't, I'm not sure if there are going to be some people from Make-A-Wish actually there, but I'll definitely be there with all of this stuff going on, which is, has been done so far. I will have the treadmill, uh, a load of information about what Make-A-Wish are doing, what Make-A-Star Wars Wish has been doing. And I've got some few gizzets to give out. I've got some uh, wristbands as well, um, some Make-A-Wish wristbands, yeah, and all sorts of stuff. Stay tuned to the website. Stay tuned to Make a Star Wars Wish. And Pete, Pete's been working behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen. Peter has produced for me stormtrooperrun.com. That's right, stormtrooperrun.com website and blogging site. Pete, yeah, absolute legend. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's blown my mind with what he's been able to do. Uh, long and short of it. I want to be able to spread the word about Make-A-Wish. I want to be able to spread the word about the amazing things that they're doing, uh, both in the UK and in the USA as well, and raising some money for this much-needed charity. So uh, that's it, just showing the world, or the Star Wars world, all about Make-A-Wish, and just saying to people, come on, please dig deep, give some money to this amazing charity whilst we're there and spend them. You know, whatever our budget is, I'm sure that everyone can afford just to throw a few dollars, throw a few quid into the bucket or do it online. So easy to do it online. Just go straight to www.justgiving.com forward slash rogue one. You know, my target was £10,000. I've now just got to £2,000. So I've still got a long way, got lots more running to do. London Marathon is just around the corner and it's just after celebration. So as you know, the intention is for me to do a lot of running on the treadmill at celebration, but then straight back to London Marathon where I'll be doing the world record attempt. And 11 days later on May the 4th, running around Pinewood Studios, running 40 miles to celebrate the 40th anniversary. So all sorts of stuff going on. I really appreciate your support, but for everyone out there who's listening, please, Just be the one. 
get out there and just donate because um, if everyone who listens to this podcast was able to donate, um, I would definitely be reaching my target. So please help me out. Now I welcome both Cole Dix and Mark Baker to the Vintage Rebellion podcast for this month's interview. Welcome, gents. Good evening, hey guys. Hey, joining us for this interview is is Grant. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, chaps. Now, gents, you're both admins on the Jabbers groups on Facebook. That's correct. Yes, yeah. I don't. I don't suppose either of you were the people that started it up. Well, actually, <laughs> I think I can take the uh, the blame or the credit for that. I was collecting personally for a while off the radar for about about five years ago. And for a year, I was just buying and selling off eBay. And then I slowly discovered that there was a few Facebook groups, mainly in America, where I could get my fix and buy pretty good things, actually. Five years ago, I was getting some real good bargains from America. And then um, one day, a, a, a UK group popped up and uh, we joined this, this, this well-known UK group. And, and we stayed on there for a while, and everything was good. And as, as in all hobbies and in all areas, you start thinking, mm, I think I would do this slightly differently. And as you get more and more entrenched into the hobby and you get more and more experienced, you, you find similar people with the same sort of ideas as yourself. And you think, you know what, how about if we had a group, but instead of XYZ, we did ABC? So we thought there's a market here for um, auctioning Star Wars figures. We came up with the name Jabba's Palace and uh, a few like-minded other collectors started getting together in a chat group. And we thought instead of it being fastest finger first, you need to have a bit of time to consider your purchase, to think what's the maximum that I'd pay for this. Look at the look at because it did. There was a point where something cool would come up and it would be literally snapped up within five seconds and it was whoever could type fastest. So we wanted to do something where you could uh, take a bit more time considering what you're buying and, and not making it a race. 
And we hoped it would also control the prices, um, which unfortunately hasn't really happened because we don't set the market price and some people have got deeper pockets than others. So that's how Jabba's Palace started. And Cole, how, how does the auction kind of work? You know, you how do you, how do you go about policing it? Well, you know, we've got um, got so like seven, eight, seven mark, is it? I think seven. It's seven, seven now, but it was originally, it was just the f- uh, five of us. So, so what we do is we, we allow, we supply like a template. So we have a, like a set template for the auctions uh, that people follow um, up to three days. We've had some 24-hour auctions, um, but they, they basically set the rules themselves. They set the minimum, the starting price, they set the minimum increment. Um, and, you know, uh, as of late, they've kind of policed it all themselves as much as, you know, we don't have to get involved too much. I think Mark would agree that the the level of admin on on the palace now has gone down considerably, uh, unless there's a massive problem because you know sellers are actually being more proactive now and they know the rules. Whereas at the beginning we were a little bit more involved. Uh, we were there most nights, <laughs> sitting on there going, "Oh, I watch this auction. You watch that one. Let's uh, let's keep it going." But you know, it's it's really it's really doing really well at the moment, and you know the the guys and as I said the sellers are actually. Yeah, policing it all themselves. I mean, there's only a very, very, very occasional um, slip-up where we're on there on the ball, so we're always around, um, and some of us might pick it up before others, but, you know. Well, we weren't the first um, auction group on Facebook. I, I know Lego has been auctioned, and there's a there was an American auction group, which I was aware of. So we could sort of pick and choose the auctions that we thought would suit us best, and... Um, I don't think the rules have actually changed from the day we've opened. They just work straight away. We have to remind people occasionally that a minimum increment bid, for instance, doesn't necessarily have to be £1, £2, £3, as long as it's the minimum of the stated amount. So there are, there are the occasional things like that where we have to remind people. But as a rule, people are really good and they admin and check their own auctions. Have you ever had any serious uh, serious issues with something not going right like someone not sending items but taking money or because obviously outside of ebay ebay does have that protection of that kind of thing well have we do have, have we do have that protection because we insist that nobody prays friends and family and that if you do so you pay that at your own risk yeah um you're always protected by paypal um even if you have to add your add your own fees on now very occasionally we have had people who just think do you know what I am not selling my figure for 50 quid when it's worth 60 quid. or yeah. And they just sloped off and refused to sell it. But I would say nine out of ten times, or certainly a lot higher than that, everything goes to plan. People know the rules. People know we, we've sort of drummed into them that if you want 50 quid, then you better start your auction at 40 quid because if you started at a pound and get 10 pound, that's your own fault really. You know, you should have thought that through. We're not we're not a massive massive group. I mean, we try and keep it down the number, not the numbers down, but we don't want to grow too big too quick because we kind of think that the influx of new members that don't know the rules cause problems. So we so we got lucky. We got a really steady flow at the moment of just you know a few members a week and fifteen twenty probably a week, which is growing the group steadily. In fact, we we have discussed capping the amount of people because we couldn't think of anything worse than having twenty thousand members. The whole idea was it that we wanted to keep it relatively small and, and tight. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. 
for obvious reasons, say to me, look, I'm, I'm, I don't really want to get into that. But obviously, in the last month or so, uh, Echo Base have started up their own auction site. What are your initial thoughts on this? We'll be honest, but... Yeah. Me and Carl were talking about this earlier. We were thinking, well, how do, how do we answer these questions without bringing other groups into it? But being as you've raised it, we shall answer it. Do you know what? Echo Base are a great group and they are really good at what they do. But they gave us so much criticism and so much stick for starting the auction group. And we used to get the blame for the That's price right. rise. We would have a, there'd be a figure of the month when which it would suddenly go through the roof. And that could be a, a naked joa. Just because he said this has got the same, the correct COO for a vinyl cape. We noticed that every month there was a certain figure going up through the roof. It was, it's been um, Leah Organa's recently, and at the moment it's... They went through the roof a few months ago, didn't they? So Echo Base really used to sort of, the admin on there really used to slate us and blame us because they would see a, an auction finishing on Jabba's Palace for, say, £100. People would see that as the new set price, which we didn't want. We never wanted this to happen. So they put it on Echo Base at £100. So every every thread was then pointing the finger at us saying that we were to blame. So we found it pretty hypocritical when all of a sudden they said, yeah, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to start our auction group now. And I thought, what? Have you got no principles? Have you got no morals here? You've sort of slated us for this for months and months. And now you're just jumping on the bandwagon and doing it as well. It was it was kind of a bit of a, a stab in the back because both Mark and I were on Echo Base since near the beginning and you know for it for it for that that, that to happen did feel a little bit of a uh, yeah, as might said hypocritical and uh, a bit of a backward turn I, I don't get the argument with the prices because i purely blame the buyers for that yeah because they are the one that dictate the market not not the seller if a seller puts something up for 200 quid on any site and it's worth 100 pound people aren't going to buy it but if someone does that's what forces the price so yeah i don't really understand that but um yeah yeah, I just wanted to ask and see if you were happy to answer it. Obviously, with Jabba, so the palace is the auction site, isn't it? Richard always seems to have uh, a great deal of difficulty getting the, um, the, the the group names in the correct order. So we've got Jabba's Palace for auctions, and then we found out that people wanted to chat, but we didn't want people to chat on the auction group because it detracts from the auction and it keeps on bumping up different threads. So then we opened Jabba's Court. And, and Jabba's Court is, is, is your, your basic sales and your chat and your banter and questions. Uh, and we also try to get down the line of, of doing a bit of study as well. We've, we've had some great interviews as well, which, we can, which we'll bring up later. And then inevitably people were saying, can we put our modern Star Wars on here? So we ended up opening Jabba's Dungeon for modern Star Wars, which, which doesn't get as much traffic. But again, it's there if people want it. Yeah, so you've got, you've got all bases covered there, haven't you? Yeah. As far as usage goes, how what what, what sites have what kind of a flow through? I think they're all they're all. I mean, we're active on there anyway most of most of the night, and it's you know we have a uh, we have like a pub thread on there some weeks, and it's always there's always a good load of people around. So I mean, it's it's they're quite active groups. I said the palace is taken off. The auctions are on there at the moment. Uh, you know, between I would say what thirty forty at any one time mark. And yeah, and we've got some phenomenal, phenomenal figures on there at the moment. Lots of glass leaf, lots of leady, really, really good rare stuff. Yeah, it's not, it's not just the run of the mill, you know, beta figures. Or you know, we try and encourage people not to put single beta figures on there. For me, and we obviously coach them into selling them at, uh, within a, like a set price, maybe on the court in a group. Or so we try and we try and keep it so it's good stuff that's flowing through. 
And obviously, you just mentioned the pub. I noticed that. Uh, I've seen that a few times. The Jabba's Arms? Yeah, Jabba's Arms, yeah. yeah. I've never actually uh, read the threads on them. Um, what, what's all that all about? Virtual pub? It's just an excuse, especially uh, quite often it's on a Friday night that everyone's finished work. Um, we're all having a drink and we think, well, what can we all have a banter? What, what, what can sort of uh, spark some good topics of debate over? And it's usually something controversial or it could be... Um, women or it could be anything you know we, we're quite laid back we, yeah, we had one recently which was topic, doesn't it? <laughs> we had one recently which was uh what a picture of your 80s your 80s pin-up girl and that got a lot of attention that went on for a few hundred threads that was quite good fun <laughs> and obviously you just mentioned the live interviews now i've, I've watched them involve myself in a couple of those they're fantastic uh, where did that idea originate from uh, i think as we were setting the court up it was a, a new idea Facebook Live, uh, Facebook came up with, and on the admin groups, we thought, who could we, could we take advantage of this facility? Who could we get who's, who's brave enough to go on camera live and talk about a subject they know inside out and get pummeled with questions? So we came up with a wish list, and we've had some pretty incredible um, interviewees. Who have we had, Carl, recently? Well, first of all, we had, we had Bill, didn't we? Then we Bill had Bright. Bill yeah, and Brian, right. we had Jess Lopez, we've had... Sky Payne, who does the Archivecast, which I know you guys know about. We've had John Paul Gusa. Uh, we've had Dave Tree, who's one of our favourite guys here. Yeah, uh, Alexander McGraw, who's always a card. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that one, yeah. That was an entertaining evening. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a good one, he is. If I miss him, I, I'm sure there's one or two I've missed. But Yeah, and we've got them all archived on, the, uh, on a, a little-known group, just in case people want to watch them again on Jabber's Q&As. That's a list of pretty big collectors. Just, just yeah. there. That list you just said. Um, have you got any in the in the pipeline coming up? We've got some very big names coming up that I don't want to jinx by mentioning. But if you can think of the highest level, well, we are in talks with people like that. Yeah, none of you boys have ever done it then. The first no. week, I I actually did it, and I was really really terrible at it because. I hadn't figured it out. I think it was Alexander McGraw. Alex McGraw couldn't uh, he, he couldn't figure it out. About three minutes before he was due to go live, he realised that he couldn't do it on his particular uh, device. So I had a go, and I was awful at it. But, yeah, I don't plan to do it again. I think maybe Carl should do it soon, because uh, he can show us around his collection. I don't think you'll like to look around my downstairs loo. <laughs> is that where you keep your collection, is it? I just wanted to get you to say yes live, so you can... <laughs> I have to wait until I get it all out of the loft. So I might have a, have a day of that. So maybe. So before we move on from this, what are your plans for the future for the Jabbers groups going forward? Well, we've been doing a lot to do with um, bits of, but what can we do for our like, collectors? What can we do for our members? And I know you guys, I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but the, the, the little things like the, the top trading cards that we've done and, you know, T-shirts and elements like that, we're trying to look into more, you know what? What can we give to the give back to the community that you know can help them out? And obviously, you know, as is with the top trading cards and and I think the t-shirts. Um, who can we give profits to? Because obviously, we're not a profiteering company. We don't want to make money off our our members. You know, we're looking into things like that. Yeah, I was just I was going I was going to raise that actually. The, the tops cards, first of all, are fantastic. They look amazing, and you you've released quite a few different t-shirts, haven't you? Yeah, so when we had the yeah. Jabba's, Jabba's auctions, when we have celebration. I think that was just to do the admins. We went there, though. Um, we've had the Jabba's Court hoodie, uh, which is a simple hoodie, which we were just testing the waters with. 
And then we've just released two T-shirts. So the last run was two T-shirts designed by Mr. Mark Daniels, um, which uh, you guys all know, uh, which was the uh, the Rancor uh, sort of Jabba's pit. So, yeah, we've got the skull, which then hits the gate, which then kills the Rancor, which then has a crying Rancor keeper. And then we also got the Jabba's boys on tour all with cruising, I think it says, with the popper bar two and the sail barge, which are two you'll weird. To, I'm sure you'll be able to see those over the next few events because we'll be wearing them with pride. I know that Jez would be livid with me if I didn't bring this up, but a massive thank you for all you've done to help him with his fundraising. Um, there's been numerous things already come from... He, he's doing the hard work, though, Stuart, not us. I, yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. But <laughs> at the same time, the support is obviously is fantastic. And you, you've had numerous things and someone buying... And my mind's a bit blotty now, but someone bought a, a Luke, told him to put the money in, didn't they, and then resell it. All that yeah. kind of thing is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. we've had a few of those real, real selfless acts of generosity on, uh, on Jabba's Palace recently. Before we move on to collecting and whatnot, Cole, you, you've just got yourself engaged. Yes, I have, yes. Um, so Laura and I have been together for three and a bit years. She's been badgering me for three and a bit years. <laughs> um, so I finally get in. And uh, yeah, she's she's basically said yes, so that she's kind of made me the you know, happiest man out there at the moment because I get to do all this stuff with her for, for the rest of my life, really. Uh, congratulations, mate. Massive congratulations. And <clears throat> I was just thinking, actually, just before we came on, we were actually talking about themed weddings and I was just trying to work out who you could go as. But you are actually the spitting image of Quine Gone Gin, aren't you? <laughs> You're about his age. You've got the beard. Yeah, my hair's not quite long enough, but I'm sure if I did have a bit longer, it would cover my bald spot at the back. <laughs> And uh, you're actually getting married on Star Wars Day? Yes, May the 4th, uh, 2019. It's, at the moment, the only Star Wars reference I've got on the day, but I'm going to shoehorn something in and around the uh, vintage and flowers that we've got planned in the barn. Well, massive congratulations, mate. I'm sure uh, I'm sure she won't sell your collection or anything once you're married. Well, she, she tries. <laughs> She's already trying, is she? She's already trying, yeah. Uh. Which is why I keep her educated about how much it all actually costs. I think I've a few ones that are actually a bit honest with her because I know that if she does ever do that, she won't ever sell it on for like 10p or 20p. That was, I was only 60 quid, wasn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Less than that. Let's go back to the early days of when you first saw. Now, Colt, you were about four, five when it came out? Yeah, so I was born in 74, so I'd have been three, nearly four when it came out. Um, okay. To be honest, I don't remember too much about when it came out, except I had the Star Wars annual, um, maybe a few figures when I was four or five. So I don't remember much from early, early days. I've got pictures of me and my sister with cornflakes, Darth Vader mask stuck on. So that was around that sort of time. So we must have been, uh, must have been into it. My dad, we didn't go and see it at the cinema because mum and dad weren't really that flush. Um, so they chose to spend money in other ways on us. Well, I was born in 71. I think I'm, the old, I'm, I'm quite old compared to most of the people on Facebook. I'm, uh, in fact, I'm risking divorce because I'm 46 on Sunday and I'm not going to be around. So that didn't get down too well with the wife when I said I was going away for my birthday to Echo Live. But here's my birthday present. You can imagine how that went down. I was 70, born in 71. You need to get the uh, the violins out here because, like Carl, we were very hard up and I don't think we ever went to the cinema. So Star Wars passed me by, which was quite sad to say. It really only came to my attention when Return of the Jedi came out and we were treated by rare occurrence to go to the cinema to go and watch Return of the Jedi. And I think that's probably why it's my favourite film. Um, so, it holds the most memories for me. You you had no connection to Star Wars whatsoever until... Return until of the Jedi. Jedi, yeah. Okay, so did you both have the toys as 
I remember having um, a few figures. I may have had a X an X wing X wing at the time. Uh, so I remember having it really beaten by the time I did get my Falcon. But yeah, as I said with Marcus, it's I don't remember seeing anything till Jedi. But I, what I do remember is as soon as it came out on ITV, Star Wars the film. I'm not sure what year that was, but as soon as it came out on TV, my dad recorded it on a VHS, and I literally watched that thing to death, including ad breaks. So if I watch the film now, I can actually tell you when the ad breaks are going to kick in, which is annoying because I still sit there and expect it to go to a, to a commercial. But yeah, I just I don't remember going to see anything. I didn't see Empire at the cinema at all either, although that is my favourite, the, the, the three. Grant, what year was the Star Wars premiere on the telly? Uh, that was October 1982. That would have been, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably when it all started becoming into my uh, consciousness. My big thing was Action Man, and I didn't particularly like Action Man, but it was pretty much the only boy's toy, so every Christmas it'd be like, here, I have this extra Action Man, and here, I have this tank. And my brother used to have Star Wars figures, and he's about six years younger than me, and I used to look in awe and envy at him opening these incredible figures and these cards and these ships, thinking, that's what I want, I don't want this. And my mum used to go, you're too old for Star Wars. (laughs) So I remember catching the bus to, to Warsaw, and we used to go to John Menzies or W.H. Smith, and I'd see them all lined up on the peg. And I remember the transition from Empire to Jedi, thinking, oh, my God, look at all these exciting characters. I remember the, the black um, silhouettes on the back of the cards, thinking, who the hell are these going to be? This is just so fantastic. And those images stay with me so strongly of, of walking, my brother getting a, a carded figure for £1.49 and opening on the bus back home. So really, I sort of lived off my brother's collection. I was just going to say the same, similar memories to Mark with the, in terms of not so much the films, but you know, you you've got the fallout. So you got when you went into toy shops, you saw all the, the packaging, the boxes, the the displays, all that stuff. I remember there's a there was a shop at the bottom of our um, town called Trent's. I think it was called Beaties before that. And upstairs, as soon as when we went into town, Mum used to take me in there, and I used to run up the stairs just to. Okay, and look at this stuff. Uh, Lego passed us by, really. I didn't really have much Lego, so it was pretty much straight to the Star Wars section. Uh, I remember swapping a price tag over when I was a kid, <laughs> so I could afford it, and I got away with that once, I think. And then later what? on... Whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on, Carl. <laughs> what did you just do? Well, I only had a certain amount of pocket money, so um, I remember I must have been about six, seven, eight, maybe, at tops. I remember uh, taking a, a sticker off of a lower-priced item and putting it on the card so I could have, I could afford the figure. It needed it pulled, help. pulled the cashier, so I must have got it. I must have been all right. <laughs> you must have been really, you must have been really gutted when barcodes came in. <laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> I only did it once. Grant. I don't, I didn't do it all the way up to uh, digital scanning. <laughs> yeah, okay, right, right. I've right. seen you do it at Farthest From. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. They didn't do barcodes there. <laughs> when, when did you return to Star Wars? What was your way back in? Well, with with mine, it was um, I was about twenty one years old, and I had a, a friend who was about ten years older than me, and we were having a pint one day, and we both used to like going to car boot sales, and I thought there's got to be a, there's got to be a business here. There's, buy things from car boot sales. This was before the eBay days, so we came up with this plan that toys were expensive when you bought them but as soon as you opened them they were worthless 
So we had this idea that we would go around car boot sales, we'd put adverts in paper saying, we'll buy your toys. So if a game of Monopoly costs £20 in the shop, we would sell it for £10 and we'd offer the people £5. So we're doubling our money and they're getting something back. And it went really well. And uh, for the first few years, we were inundated with stock. And then I remember going to see a collection one day of a complete set of Star Wars figures that these lad wanted to sell. And I was just like instantly transported back sort of, 10, maybe a bit more years before, thinking, oh, my God, they look so awesome, just standing there with all their weapons all lined up. So we bought them, and uh, I said to my partner, right, these aren't going in the shop. I need to reinvest my money into these. And uh, I don't think it was a full set, but it was a, it was almost a full set. So my we weren't taking a wage out of it, so my cut of the wage was, was these Star Wars figures. And then I went on all the very old, early forums. can't even remember what they were called. Was it something net? Um, to try and get the last few. And then the repro, there was no such thing as variants. There was no such thing as AFA or grading. And the only repro weapons was the occasional lead, lead imperial blaster that used to come in. And I got myself a nice, expensive glass cabinet made, and I just used to look at them. The only variant I remember having was a, an orange snake and a brown snake, Yoda. But other than that... And then this this led into this resurgence of interest of Star Wars, where I was getting ships, I was getting carded figures, and um, and plus other toys as well. I've always been interested in other retro toys as well. And that led up into Power of the Force 2, and I started collecting those. But again, I was just inundated. They were releasing them that thick and fast that I just couldn't keep up. And after in about 1997, after about sort of five or six years, I just thought the interest is waning. And... Uh, and then I met my wife, and we bought a house together, and she said, if you think you're bringing those Star Wars figures into our lovely new house, you can think again. So as we all have done in the past, I did as she said, and I sold them all. And I, even back then, I got £1,000 in about 1997 for a full set of Star Wars figures, including the cabinet. Ah, happy days. <laughs> <laughs> Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. <laughs> the, things we do, the things we do for our, for our, our new brides to... Or our brides to be. That won't be happening my end, Mark. Don't worry. <laughs> she accepts me for my Star Wars, and that's what that's what it's got to be. That's what they all say at the start. <laughs> um, so, so my um, my early stuff was obviously I, I collected to a point where I had quite a few of the figures. Didn't ever have a full set. Um, I had a, quite a lot of the ships. Never never been at at, but I had Falcon, X Wing, Tie Fighter, um, Rebel Transporter, which I know is Jez's favourite. I got into, I had a friend around the corner called, his name was Graham, and he used to have a lot more of the other sort of toys, like the mask toys and um, Centurions and all that stuff. So when that came out, I used to go around and play with his toys, and he never used to like Star Wars stuff. I think he was a, maybe a year old or a year below me or something. It was around the time also when Spectrum came out, Spectrum and the Commodores. So with the combination of being interested in his stuff and you know wanting to own my own computer, I sold most of the Star Wars stuff I had to a guy across the road. He bought it off me for 20 quid. Mm-hmm. And that was, and I don't think, you know, this is, they were ships. There were, there was like Tauntauns, well, Wampa and most of my figures. I kept a boxed um, Scout Walker, uh, an ISP-6, was it? Um, and speed bike, and a few, about 15 to 20 figures, and put them all in the box at the back of my wardrobe. And I kept that lot. But I, got, I managed to get my own computer, and then that stayed as is. And then I re, 
when I had Zach, well, when I had Zach, when Zach was born nearly 10 years ago now, I found this stuff in my mum and dad's loft when they moved. And I thought, you know what? It would be great if I could complete this set. But when he gets older and he can have it, because I knew that there was interest in Star Wars vintage, Star Wars items at the time, and I thought, I'll see what I can get hold of. And that's basically when it started. So it dribbled, drip-fed in, started off trying to compete my loose set, and then I stupidly met Bramwell. Uh, he got me into carded mocks and sold me most of his stuff. I nearly got had a full run of Jedi, and then I thought, oh, do you know what? It would be great if I could start collecting Stormtrooper, because I found out about focuses as well, and joined the Facebook groups. I never was very big on the forums, although I did join Rebel Scum before I went on to the Facebook groups. wasn't very active on there. I couldn't really figure it out. It wasn't really that user-friendly for me. But as soon as the Facebook groups came along, it kind of took off. I found, like, 12-back groups. Um, obviously, then Echo came along. Yeah, and the rest is kind of history. Sold most of my other mocks now and focused on Stormtroopers. Kind of reined it in a bit. So, so you literally, your collection is literally Stormtrooper-based? It is to a point. <laughs> so I've got to a point now where a lot of the cards, the card backs I look at and I'll need, or the lot of items that I would try and look for, is um, quite rare. So like the 1232 backs and, you know, some of the rarer card backs, I, I, they don't come up that very often. I get into a bit of a lull with, with it in, in terms of the mock sort of side of it. So I have to buy stuff <laughs> that's the Stormtrooper related. And I, I, I do like, cut myself down to it has to be original Stormtrooper or maybe if it has to be modern. If I have to get as modern stuff, it's uh, first order. Yeah, I've got a full loose collection anyway, which I'm always trying to upgrade little bits. I think I'm nearly there to where they're mostly mint. First 12 back stand display in, in GW acrylic cases, which is quite nice. I've got a couple of proof cards. And yeah, as I said, I've just started collecting a a, um, a droids run. So I kind of thought, actually, there's only 12 of them, isn't there? So I'll try that. But they turn out they're rarer than some of the rarest Star Wars stuff. So that's going to take a while to get. It'll take a while uh, to complete. But I know that Mark's, uh, Mark's already there on that lot. Uh, Carl, I'm quite interested in your uh, Stormtrooper run. I don't, you know, I've seen focuses of a Stormtrooper. Um, yeah. <clears throat> tell us about the uh, collecting the Stormtrooper. You know, things like I hear that there's like a really rare 21 back and stuff like that. What, what have you found in collecting and focusing on Stormtrooper? That, that I maybe shouldn't have started. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, and looking at and going through the, the so going back to the tops cards, we, there's, we've obviously learned a lot from that, James, and then some of the guys from the groups, but they've collated like a, a wealth of knowledge which goes on the back of these cards and you know finding out that there's x amount of kenner card back variants and then suddenly you figure out that there's actually you know half the amount or probably two-thirds of the amount that's on palatoy as well and you know we all know how rare palatoy are compared to the kenner kenner variants so it's yeah it's been a it's been a, a long run and then obviously you haven't taken into account the um the foreign card back variants either because you know, I didn't even know, know that Star Wars was in different countries, first of all. Obviously, we were just in the UK bubble. There was no internet. There was no other sort of ways of seeing what was in other countries. You know, that's the big thing that the internet's helped us out with and Facebook groups and all that sort of stuff and forums. You know, we can find out that there's this Turkish bootleg, which, you know, costs millions of pounds <laughs> if you wanted to get some more. And they're quite rare. So, I mean, obviously, the total toys in Australia, to try and get a Stormtrooper sealed on the car back is nigh on impossible you know they don't come up very often i've got a, a, a just a card back but, and the same with pvp um just can't get them just i mean it's, i haven't to be honest i haven't dug very much and uh i could probably if i was a bit a little bit more active and 
persistent, maybe. But, you know, getting my first Lily Leddy on card back, the mock. Trying to get a sealed bubble, I've got a little bit of a cut on top of the bubble, but trying to get a sealed bubble, one of them, just they just don't come up. There's, uh, there's quite a few anomalies, though, isn't there? Like, all focus collecting. Like, the uh, Top Toys one is probably the most common of the Top Toys. Would I be right in saying that? The Top Toys, yeah, the Top Toys, there's, I think there's, uh, obviously, there's Cheap Chirper, which is quite... I think there's, it's only, there's only seven Top Toys card backs, I think, isn't there? Something like seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, so, so, something like that, yeah. Um, but yeah, Stormtrooper is quite common, along with like the Chief Chirpers. But you can get—I've got two versions of the Top Toys. Obviously, the Top Toys variants. Um, the 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 mold slightly differs, I think. But the um, the the difference is the um, the gun is a completely different mold to uh, to the normal Kenner. Uh, Mark will tell you more about mold variants and stuff on all this uh, on all the weapons. But you know, it's, it's a distinctively more mold. It's got a square end and it's flatter. But yeah, the, there's uh, two different. I got two different versions on the car back. One's with the sealed mock. And ones with a stapled mock. Back in the day, the glue wasn't very good, and they would arrive at the stores with the bubbles off. So the store owners used to staple them on and then sell them as that. So I'm All right, okay. two versions. What, what about the um, the Kenner? Is it a twenty or twenty-one back? That, uh, you know, I've been reading on forums that people say is you know ridiculously rare for a Kenner figure. I was reading through the. I'm not really up on my card, but I normally go through the Kenner Matrix and or the uh, Kellerman Matrix and also Jason Smith's Matrix on his groups and just basically go, well, I haven't got that one. I better go look for that one. But yeah, it's I, I don't know whether it's a 20 or 21 back. It's, it's I think it's a 21. I think there's a like a, a see-through dot or, is it, or a red dot where it's the um either one of 21 back. But yeah, it's a it's a ridiculous. There's there's a, a couple of them which are ridiculously hard to get hold of. But yeah, it sounds like I have to do a bit more research or get back into it a bit more. I haven't seen one, put it that way. Uh, are you, and you said you collect the uh, First Order as well? Um, I've only got a few six-inch figures of First Order. I just kind of like the uh, the progression of the so armour. So are you tempted at all in going into things like, you know, Hoff Stormtrooper or Biker Sky or Attack Driver? No, I also run, um, we also run the um, original Stormtrooper Central group. So the admins on that, I helped out, um, well, they helped me out on that. So we basically share the group now. Um, that is literally Stormtrooper first, first order. We've had a lot of requests to include the rest of them, but I kind of think the Hoff Trooper, I think, was the only one that we included is a trooper, is a Stormtrooper, because right. it's called the Imperial Stormtrooper. It's not a Snow Trooper or anything like that. But the Biker Scout is a kind of like an ATAT driver in like a, a TIE pilot. They're all factions of that Stormtrooper, but I'm, I'm sticking to the original originals, and I kind of see the, the First Order, and I don't know why I see the First Order as a as a natural progression or a, um, a step up and not look at the clone troopers as one, but I don't know. I think the clone troopers is a step down really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> with, with the, um, with the modern figures, Carl, have you picked up the rogue one Stormtrooper? Cause that is a fantastic mold for a figure. Is that the one that, um, the chest pops off? I don't know. Mine's still in a card at the moment in my <laughs> garage, <laughs> but I hardly looked at it, but it's beautiful. Um, so it's, it does include that stuff. So, I mean, at, at the moment it's quite cheap. I've got a lot of, Powder Force 2 stuff, like Mark said he does as well. So anything like Dubag, anything that really involves a Stormtrooper, I can or I can squeeze into the focus and have some sort of justification around why I'm buying this. Um, so like Dubak's Imperial Carrier, you know, the Imperial Troop Transport, anything like that vintage-wise, but then also modern as well. So I have got a couple of things uh, which I've collected recently. So, you know, modern helmets. Uh, I don't always have to buy the vintage full-size helmets. I've got a Black Series helmet, which is a really nice mold. Uh, I've got a lot of the FX stuff, Shepparton Blaster, I've got a load of that. So I haven't got a full Trooper set yet. I did have one, but then I sold that on because it wasn't being used, and Laura won't let me put it onto a mannequin yet. So 
Um, I'll let that go. But yeah, it's, 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 it does range. I mean, if I can't find anything vintage to buy, I have to scratch an itch and uh, look and see if I can get something that's a little bit modern. Or, um, or, yes. or maybe just pick up an oddity that someone else really wants, like uh, maybe uh, a Stormtrooper trinket box. Sigma. <laughs> I think that was a cookie. A cookie. And it's a cookie jar, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a trin- it's a trinket box. It's a- you don't even know what it uh, is. How many cookies did you get in that? <laughs> you should have bought it, Steve, see? <laughs> but the oh. thing is, I, I've, never, I've never seen that before. I mean, I know you guys collect Sigma and stuff, and, and I've always been interested in when you guys say, oh, I bought this new bit of Sigma, and I always have to go and look at it, because um, Mark Hockley uh, had this awesome toothbrush holder. There's, I bought that off yeah. him. Did you buy that off him? Yeah, that, that that's fantastic. I'd love to have that in my uh, in my kids' bathroom. But um, yeah, and I never I always looked at the range, thought, damn, it'd be great. They did some at Stormtrooper, and then when uh, Matthew Bahobba finally put it up, I was like, I have never seen that before. I'm gonna buy it. And I just, I just, in all honesty, I've only seen one myself. One was on eBay, and it sat on eBay for about a month, and I never pulled the trigger on it, and it disappeared. <laughs> and I've never seen one since. But um, yeah. I think, I think, off the top of my head. That's the only Stormtrooper piece of Sigma. I, can't, I didn't remember anything else. And I've looked at um, the Sigma, obviously, when Mark showed me that. Um, no speed. I looked at the range, and even on them in some of the pictures, I couldn't find any Stormtrooper. Well, that, yeah. that range is dead to me then. But it's nice to look at, but that's, you know, I would only really get the snow speeder to go with the, the mountain of toothbrushes I've got recently off of uh, Richard Temple. So that was, a, that was a bit of a side focus that went a bit of a ride. We could... now, now, Mark, you, you've started down the route of Sigma. I understand. Yeah, and a, a certain vintage podcast has uh, got me hooked on these things. So you're to blame for this. In fact, I think you should, if, you, if you've got a nice little secret niche, I think you should keep it quiet because as soon as you mention it on air, it piques everybody's curiosity and everyone's like, oh, what's all this about then? Uh, well, Mark, we're, we're actually selling the, the stuff. That's the idea. Oh. Oh, right. Is it, is it that, it's, it's that naff you're trying to inflate the market on it. Yeah, and then sell it for really inflated prices. Well, I'm actually trying to just stick to the figurines um, because I think it's too vast a, a line to sort of get everything. And some of them are so expensive. I think, I don't know whether, uh, I, I have got a bit of a, an OCD problem that once I do start a collection, I have to get a full set. And, and an example of this is when I go shopping to Asda and I see, say, the soups are on offer. I can't just buy the soups I like. I have to buy one of everything. So I've got the full set of soup. So, uh, it's the same with my Star Wars. I'm currently, after a full set of micro collection, after sort of buying a few of those. So there's a certain point into, if I get something interesting, there's a certain point where I think, right, I'm either going to have to sell this or keep going because I can't just have half of a run. So Lily, Lily Leddy, that's finished. I could keep it's, on going. Well, there's a few. Can I, I'll just stop you there. When you say Lily Leddy, now we're talking a full loose run? A full, a full loose run, yeah. I started this about four years ago before they were sort of as popular as they are now, so I did get a good head start. And uh, does does this include, like, the burgundy cape bib? Well... Because bib came out with more than one colour cape, didn't he? You can get him in a different variant. Well, I've got two. I've got the two versions, and like 99% of Lily Lady collections, I also believe that my burgundy bib is authentic. But if we all if we're all correct, that means that there's about twenty five thousand burgundy boobs on the planet. So there's going to be probably twenty four thousand five hundred people disappointed. But um, I've done quite a fair bit of research and a, a fair bit of talking to people at Otsio. Um, 
I think personally I've got a, a legitimate one, but I think everybody who's bought one and everybody who's spent lots of money on would also say that. It, it, it does take a bit of a, an open mind to think, uh, actually, I might have been shafted a bit here and this could not be, but I've bought, this is the third one I've had and every one I've bought, I can see the difference and I'm satisfied that the one I've got at the moment is legitimate. I've also got Cloud Car Pilot with correct accessories. That's extremely hard to get, possibly yeah. the rarest. I've got one or two figures that I'm not 100% sure that the Lady weapons are authentic. Some of the ones like uh, Rebel Blasters are that close. I don't think anybody's actually ever identified the, the, uh, if it's a true Lady Blaster or not, because the moulds are repeated for a lot of the things. So, yeah, my, I'd say my Lady run is, is finished. Lovely, lovely. I've, I've just gone down that, started down that route, but... Um... Yeah, I think it's going to be an expensive route. So, yeah. and there are, now, variants, now. there are there are a few variants that you sort of have to have. You, you can't just leave. You can't just have one bib. You need both of them. And I've got three different cloud car pilot variants. Just you know, just different shades of yellow and different shades of grey on the pouch. There's different squid head capes. It, it's a fantastic line, uh, and, and and for me, it's just endlessly fascinating. There's no. There's no end to the depth that you can sort of dive into with a study on it. You don't fancy going down the uh, Leddy 12-inch line then? Well, I am fortunate enough to have, have a Leddy R2-D2, which Nick Rees often sort of pines after and says that should be in my collection. But no, I think one day I'll probably get a Tuscan, Tuscan Raider, where uh, they're sort of touching $1,000 now. And I think I can live without that. Bloody ugly figure anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'll put it, in, put it in my kid's room, it'll give them nightmares. <laughs> now you you've stated a couple of times already that you're you're heavily into variants now you're going to need to sell this to me because unless it's a blatant variant i struggle with the variants situation i i get why you'd want the different colored haired luke's or a hollow tubes tuscan i get that but do you go down that route of uh coos and the, the mine very well, minor paint differences and whatnot well i've got a theory it's not my theory alone but there are a certain amount of moulds, and each factory owned this mould for a while. So if you wanted a cloud car pilot, there are three, I believe it's three distinct moulds for that particular figure. Now, if, if, to me, if you're really passionate about it, you can look at these figures. You can say, right, I identify that particular figure by the position of its hand or the position of its thumb, that that is a different figure. So that... It's it's not so much the very very minute details, but you should have one figure from every mould in my book. And then I've taken that one step forward by thinking, well, if this factory had this mould, well, it also had a matching weapon mould to go with it. So in theory, you should be able to match the weapon mould with the correct figure mould. And uh, you know, it's all very well saying, well, this stormtrooper's got an imperial blaster, but if it's a PVP stormtrooper, it should have a PVP blaster. So we've also got another study group where we discuss weapon types, weapon moulds. We look at mocks and we say, right, I can see through the bubble that that Imperial Blaster is a, a V5 and I can see that that figure is a Taiwan figure. So let us deduce that a V5 Imperial Blaster goes with the Taiwan figure, for instance. But then it does get a bit muddy because... I have got numerous versions of the same mould purely because they've got a different shade of hair or purely because they've got a different shade of paint on their face. I'm I'm pretty good at justifying any reason or any excuse for me not to sell my Star Wars figures. If I can find the minute differences, I think, well, that's good enough for me. It's going on my shelf. What, what figure's got the most minute differences? Something like um, 
Han Hoth would spring to mind. I would I would say Han Hoth. I was also doing Luke Bespin yesterday, and I've got 19 different Luke Bespins. And although there's only three moulds for them, I'm quite happy to say they, they are all variants in mind, but they've all got different shades of boots or different shades of hand paint or different shades of hair. And, uh, and yeah, they're staying on my shelf. You have 19 different variants of Luke Bespin. Well... <laughs> <laughs> are you, I think Alex McGraw would probably uh, dispute whether they were variants. Realistically, there are there are three mould variants and, and there are a couple of different hair colours. But to me, if it looks different visually and it's a different mould group, I, I've got these eyepieces that jewellers use and I'm going to send myself blind because I've got high-powered natural light. I look at them and I'm studying using the variant villain guide that is absolutely incredible to buy wolf which i use all the time and uh, i use those to identify all the a and b versions of each mold fascinating stuff eh? i can see you're enthralled <laughs> i'm just <laughs> we're in Oma. that's what we are <clears throat> i bring a new definition to sad bastard do you think you've just got a issue with buying loose figures <laughs> well, and I'll, you're I'll... seeing things aren't really there the issue is, is his missus, I think. He's got to justify why he keeps it. <laughs> uh, Mark, um, I've got, um, what have you seen in regards to the market with variants? Because a lot of people back in the day, they would have just been buying, for example, hand Hoff figures. Now, because of the, you know, these variants have been pinpointed by specialists in the hobby, has there been a, you know, like a great sort of uh, warping of the market? Well, it amazes me how suddenly everybody is an expert. Now, I, I would never claim to be an expert, but I do, I do certainly put dozens and dozens of hours into looking at all these tiny differences and uh, I, I do despair a little bit when people are spreading misinformation when i sell a figure i like to put that this is a hand hearth and it's a mold too and 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 then i let people make their own decision from that i think when you're sort of calling a figure just some made-up word this is the this is the, the ghost face hearth and i'm thinking well i've never heard that before and then all of a sudden this is a new term that everybody's using so yeah, I'd, I, and then because they've made up this new name, they think they can justify it by adding like an extra £10 on it. And the new people are coming in thinking, oh, I, knew, I must have this ghost face hand huff. Even though it's £30 and it's only worth 10 I'm going to have it. Right, so, so there, has been, there has been like a warp in then of sort of like the market. Well, I think so. But, you know, I'm a little bit guilty of that myself. So I can't can't go too far into it i've probably got about 30 or 40 different boba fets so if i do on the odd occasion sell one i will have to say it's it's got a so-and-so shade of green so i'm probably a bit hypocritical by uh criticizing other people when i'm able to do it myself but at least i can justify it to myself by thinking well i have spent hundreds of hours going half blind looking at these details cool thank you man my ideal goal is to match up every mold of figure to their correct mould of weapon. And although it's not feasible for all figures, it's definitely feasible for some figures, like a, like a, ta- a Taiwan figure, for instance. Crazy. Crazy, crazy world, isn't it? Crazy world of Arthur Brown. Can I... Um, how many variants of Greedo are there? Oh, um, well, I, I know I've got about six different ones, but that could be just because one of my Greedos has got his eyes left and one right, and one's got one up and one down. I think, well, that's different enough for me. I think mould... I think there's only three mould versions i'd have to double so check you you literally go down the eye thing well yeah yeah like i say they all look fantastic don't they when they're all on display and they've all got a gun in hand and they're all perfectly poised all in the same position i just think 
There's nothing better. Fair enough. And each to their own with the collections. I, I find that quite fascinating, and I'm, I might continue this discussion with you at the weekend. Well, it, it is very interesting because you can collect however you want to, and if you just want one figure of each, that's fine. And if you want a thousand figures of each, you can do whatever you want, can't you? And exactly. Yeah. As, as long as you're true to yourself, nobody can really complain. Before we start to wrap up, obviously both of you have uh, mentioned this tonight. Now, I believe, Mark, that you have full sets of the Droids and Ewoks figures. Correct. Yes. And, Cole, you're wanting to put together the Droids run? Yeah, at the moment. Um, I picked up a really nice Droids RT off of Nick um, last year, and I picked up a C-3PO, mint C-3PO, last five is from. And then Chris Ball um, got me interested in a couple of other figures he had to go in. So I've got five now. I, I'm still after the, the From Brothers, the, 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 the Vlicks, which I, you know, we won't get an original one. I'd probably have to settle for a... A really good custom job. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't got an original Vlix, and I don't think I ever will, unless uh, Stefan fancies parting with his. But that's the only, I think that's the only real original sort of type of custom that anyone should have really in their collection, uh, purely for the fact that it's, it's rarest of the rare, and it's probably way out of my price range. So um, just having a representation of it in there. I mean, I don't think anyone could be fooled by any of the custom Vlixes out there. If they are, then they haven't done enough research or, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's that's the next focus for me. It's just little side one on that sort of stuff. I mean, it's obviously still collecting the stormtroop stuff in and around. Um, but it's always, it's always nice to have something else that d- distracts from the the non buying. So you can always have something in in, in the corner of your eye going, oh, do you know what? If I see something that adds to that sort of uh, uh, side focus, and I mentioned my toothbrushes earlier, which I only thought was one set, and then I found out there were four, um, and I'm still one toothbrush off of that. Jez is actually going to pick up uh, one of the ones I'm missing from um, Celebration when he goes across there. Sean Moynihan from Mowbray in the States had a version that I hadn't got. I put a request out. I needed a, a Han and Chewy toothbrush in there with uh, new on the front and red writing around it, which was the freebie giveaway from the dentists. And he had one. And now I just need one to complete the four sets. Carl, you know there's uh, there's a fifth one. No, there's not. Yep, there's a fifth one. Uh-huh. Uh, Je- Jedi Spirits. Oh no, that's the that's the hardest one to get, isn't it? That's the one Jedi Master thing. That's the one, yeah. Uh, I think it's the only, uh, yeah, it's the only representation of the ghost. I think in the vintage line that I can think of. I'm not sure that they do. They did that in the the four different versions of the wrapping. So you have. I'm going to go into a little bit more detail now. So you have like when you've got the sealed units, you have some on the card have new printed on them, some don't, and then when they're wrapped up, you've got red writing around it which says "Not for Resale." So you have four sets of those. You have two two with new on, one with red writing, two without new, one with red writing. And then you have the Jedi Masters Edition one, which I think came as a, a, a pack of three, or it came, I think it came in a pack with a couple of other ones. I'm not sure how if it came on its own. I haven't done the research into that yet, but that is, and Richard Temple's trying to find one as well, and I know I am, and I think Nick stopped at the first set when he found out that it was more, he sort of had enough of this. <laughs> but, um so yeah, I've got one of them. If I can get a Jedi Masters one, I'll be I'll be happy. But I've uh, yet to see one. Now that's cool. We haven't got a Beyond the Toys section this month. But I think uh, I think we just had it, Stu. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to sell you my um, my poster, Carl, because I've got a, an oral B poster from America for that. Which is, yeah, uh, I'm missing that one. I've, I've got one I'm watching on eBay for the last it's probably six months. And we'll have to, we'll see what we can negotiate. <laughs> yeah, you need to get that um, that shop display, Carl. I've seen that as well. Anything. There was one on. There was one online. I tried to talk the bloke down, but he was having none of it. I think oh, it's, like, it's like a quid pickup. Yeah, yeah. It was like 
No, that that's been sold. Yeah, no, it has now. Yeah, um, no, it was eight, it was eight hundred pound at one point. Yeah. I sorted that uh, sorted that deal out for someone. Have Friend of the show, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I guess it's not my right to say who got it, but yeah, they contacted me. It's a really nice little display. It had a load of uh, extras on there as well. Cool. It was nice. Mark, what is it about the drawers and Ewoks that's made you go down that route? I think it's just because they're so different. They're so bright and colourful. They're not like any other Star Wars line or figure. I don't particularly remember the Droids cartoon, but I do re- definitely remember the funky Ewoks tune at the beginning of the, the beginning of the, of the animation. And they seemed quite affordable at the time. And then there was only the one in the in the Ewoks line that was particularly expensive, and that was Wicket, which took me quite a while to get. But even so, even when I did it, bought it for the pretty reason, reasonable sum of £50. I think it's probably at least double that now. And then I went down, and then I thought, oh, now I need to get them on, on card. So I went down that line. And at the same time, I was picking up the odd droids figure. And uh, and then, of course, I had to go on the mock line as those as well. Now, I haven't got a complete run because I don't think I'll ever be able to pick up a droids Boba Fett, unfortunately. You know, one day it might happen. The gods of Star Wars may well smile on me. But at the moment, that area is blank. But I have also managed to pick up all the coins for them. That was a bit of a mission especially the Boba Fett, so I'm, I'm happy to say I've got a Boba Fett coin now. Um, they're, they're just a really cool line, and it, it's, it's I like things that are achievable, and I think, well, okay, you could say that the Boba Fett isn't achievable, but there was, there's only about sort of 12 items with the, with the droids logo on. You can tick them all off and think, well, I'm getting closer and closer. I don't like it when there's dozens and dozens and dozens of things. You think, like, this range is too big for me to ever complete. So it, it's uh, it's just a really cool thing. I'm, I've always been a big fan of the underdog and a big fan of the things that other people don't like. Well, yeah, good argument. I've not gone down them yet. The um, the Dulock Scout puts me off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the Ewoks aren't as good as the droids line. But another thing I've done, which, again, some people might dispute this as, as impure, but there was a chap on eBay selling fantastic um, reproductions of the second unreleased waves of droids and Ewoks. And I believe he somehow managed to get hold of an original and took a mould from it. So I have on my shelves every planned second wave of droids and every planned second wave of Ewoks with the weapons that they were going to have. And they're incredibly well made. And they're not something you could play with because their arms and legs are only held on by pins. But I just think, what a shame that they were so close to releasing these figures and that they pulled out at the last moment. I've recently been watching the Droids and Ewoks cartoons again with my kids, and I think there's some major characters missing out here. What a shame that we're so close. <laughs> well, Jed, I've kept you for quite a while, so um just want to go into our closing question. Um, if we were being rehomed, another planet, uh, money is going to be of no object in there, so this isn't a what's your most expensive item type of thing. There's only room for one item from your collection on the shuttle. What are we both taking with us? Well, purely because I'm going to stand by the fact that my burgundy bib is the only legitimate one in the world, and I dispute the fact that anybody else has got one that I'm going to take my 99% certain it's real burgundy bib with ladies with the lady staff, obviously. Wonderful, Carl. Well, I was I was going to say, you know, I've got a few um, one-offs in my collection. Like, I've got a few um, transparencies of the 12-inch stormtrooper, which were bought off of um, Tom Darby. Um, obviously, got, like I said, I got some proof cards. I got my Uze trooper with a with a card back, or two Uze troopers now a card back. But I think, I think just to annoy you, Stuart, I think I'm going to take the Sigma. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind. But he'll be on the he'll be on the transport as well, so maybe he can nick it off you while you're asleep. 
<laughs> maybe I'll sell it to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe once uh, once you're married, your wife will. Well, yeah, probably. You'd have to tap her <laughs> Well, <laughs> Well, gents, thank you ever so much for taking the time to chat to us tonight. Uh, we really cool. do appreciate it. Before we, before we go, can we just say a big thank you to all the other admin? Because we haven't mentioned them by name, but we're a great team. We got on really, really well. We all have a, a good chat and we take the mickey out of each other wicked every day. And we, we really are a superb team. We've become really good friends. Do, 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 do you want to name them? I know who have you got? Nick, yeah, Nick Rees. Nick Rees. We've got Tom Gill, James Woolley, Pete Hollenby, Jason Carty, uh, Chris Ball, and Gary Dickens as well helps out on the modern figures. But what a good team we are. Yeah, the groups are well run. Yeah, thank you for all you do on those uh, on those sites, and thank you once again for your support for Jez. Uh, it really is appreciated. Yeah, and we ought to we ought to thank um, Andrew Paradise, who was the original chap who contacted us, saying, "Has anybody got a, a full run of Star Wars figures that?" We can photograph, and this was how we went down the line of eventually coming up with the cards because we couldn't have afforded a professional photographer to, to come and do this. He did it completely free of charge. Um, the only thing he wanted out of it was a poster. But Andrew Paradise, with a name straight off uh, the West End, he's, he's been a legend. He's, tr- he's driven up and down the length and breadth of the country to, to photograph these figures. Amazing, and they do look so professional and so good. There'll be more soon. Look out! Look out yeah. for soon. More plans. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, gents, thank you ever so much. Uh, it's been a blast. Thanks, See you guys. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you guys. Cheers, lads. Yeah, bye. bye. It's me, uh, the architect behind the exhaust ports on the Death Star. I know, I know. What a stupid design flaw. You're single-handedly responsible for the destruction of our ultimate weapon. I've heard it all. I've gotten a lot of guff from my superiors since the Death Star blew up about my shoddy design. I've been force-choked, force-lightninged, regular-choked more times than I can count. And all I can say in my defense is, are you serious. I mean, do you understand the point of exhaust ports? Do you know how much exhaust is created by a moon-sized battle station? It housed a laser that blew up planets. It needs a lot of ventilation. The fact that I was able to keep the exhaust ports to the size of a womp rat should earn me some goddamn respect around here. But let's talk about what actually happened. Some farm boy nobody shoots some bombs out of his X-Wing straight ahead and they take a 90 degree turn downward and go exactly into the tiny exhaust port. They then travel miles in an insanely narrow pipe and hit the Death Star core. Anything seem weird to you about that? First of all, exhaust doesn't mean sucked down, it means pushed out. That's what it is, expelling gas outward, as in not in a direction that would suck down a bomb. If anything, it should have pushed the bomb away. Wait, how did the bomb behave in a way that completely defies physics? Hmm, oh, I don't know. Oh, right, we live in a galaxy with magic space wizards. 
But, Dak, all the magic space wizards were killed. Oh, yeah, you're right. Except the farm boy who made the shot just happened to be named Skywalker, as in Anakin Skywalker, the famous Jedi who mysteriously disappeared the same day Darth Vader showed up. The point being, maybe the exhaust port isn't to blame, because the shot was literally not possible unless you had magic powers. Maybe if someone would have told me to account for space wizards when designing the exhaust ports, we would still have a Death Star. Maybe you should be blaming Darth Vader, who couldn't shoot down some farm boy. Maybe you should all stop blaming the exhaust port, which actually did its f***ing job! Thank you. You know, he brought up some good points. Maybe we should let him in on these plans for the new Death Star? Ah, forget it. The guy's a hack. Anyways, about the X-wing-sized hole that leads directly to the core, you think that should be Millennium Falcon-sized? Oh, great thing. Genius. Yes. 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 Right now, let's go over to Jez for this month's newest acquisitions. Hello, what have we here? Ah, good. New acquisition. That's amazing. Every month I say it's amazing, isn't it? But that's because it is. It's a great time to be a Star Wars collector, and uh, and I'm looking forward to starting collecting again. Hey, we're going to go straight to Star Wars Forum UK, where we always start from, and on to page 2081. Now, Mark X-Wings put up a picture, and I loved it. As soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, it brought back so many memories. And I looked at it and I thought, yeah, it's a bit beaten up. Oh, I really, really wanted one of those. And I didn't even read what he wrote. Not initially. Jez. I was just looking at the picture. Jez. Yeah. It's not, it's not a Rebel Transporter, is it? No, no. No, oh. it's not a Rebel Transporter. Um, oh, what fond memories I have. Uh, but now I looked at the picture and I was like, Ram. Can I put Ram? <laughs> Why did I say Ram? Bam. That's what I meant to say. Um, bam. I'm going to put that in new acquisitions. And I recognised it as an Imperial Troop Transport. Or so I thought, because there we go, on page 2081, he's put it up. I finally picked up a loose Imperial cruiser. Hang on a second. That's an Imperial troop transport. Something familiar about this place. So, yeah, I recognise this as an Imperial troop transport. It's a standard thing which you look at, and from an aerial photograph above, for the uninitiated, or for the uneducated, rather... It looks like an Imperial Troop Transport, and that's what I put. And Rich, it was you who pointed out that this was, in fact, an Imperial Cruiser. Now, was it the fact that you just read, he wrote, I've picked up a loose Imperial Cruiser, (laughs) or were there identifying features about this which you thought, ah, that's that's a reason I know straight away, because now, having studied this over the last day or so, I would like to say that I've been educated and I am now an expert in the field of the differences between an Imperial Troop Transport and an Imperial Cruiser. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth here, Jez, right? Go on. I read your show notes, okay, before I saw the picture. And the show notes said, incomplete Imperial Troop Transport. I want a group chat on this vehicle. And then your next question is, Stu, what's he missing? So I clicked on the link and I just burst out laughing. And it would have been far quicker to see what was actually there because it was <laughs> next to nothing there but when I looked at it I thought that, that colour's not right and then I spotted the stickers and I thought no it's not an Imperial Troop Transport it's an Imperial Cruiser and then I read his text above it that also said it was a cruiser so thankfully I do have both of them as loose vehicles and there is a distinct difference between the pair. Yeah alright excellent so you've got them both so you can do a comparison shot 
Now, when you look at this, if you were to see it from afar, uh, and, and as I said, it was one of those things where you look at the shape of it and you think, oh, yeah, the Imperial Troop Transport. I knew nothing about the Imperial Cruiser, as I've already identified. Now, can you briefly explain then to those who aren't aware, what's the difference then, Rich? Well, they're, they're quite a lot of difference, actually. Um, but the Imperial Troop Transport, as everybody is aware, has the electronics. It has the, the buttons that you press down that plays noises. The, the biggest and most major difference between the two is that the Imperial Cruiser doesn't. The, it does have small black plastic buttons on them, but they don't do anything. In fact, I'm not even sure if you press them and actually move. I think they actually might be fixed in place. The other major difference is that in the front, it has much niftier stickers in it. It has these stickers that make it look a little bit like a control panel on the on the doors um making it look a little bit more futuristic so i mean there, there are other differences such as i've just said that the color is slightly different it's a little bit lighter gray than what the other um gray is but you know in all intents and purposes a cheap version of the imperial troop transport and it was released by sears as an exclusive to sears um you know back in the day yeah absolutely so it completely explains why i'm not familiar with this as a kid i remember a friend just around the corner simon hillier i think i've mentioned him before he had one of these and and i absolutely loved it i loved it the fact that it had the sounds so cool exactly like when you were a kid and you had the blaster and the hand or the loop blaster with the sounds coming out of it but from my point of view this was absolutely awesome that's the imperial troop transport so that's why as soon as I saw this, I thought, ah, that's one of the ships I didn't get. But yeah, the cruiser, as you said, it was a Sears exclusive because they wanted to have a cheaper version. Uh, the funny thing is, according to Star Wars Collector's Archives, this ended up selling for pretty much twice as much as the Imperial Troop Transport did when that was first released. So so there we go. It just shows how prices had um, had dramatically increased not long after the uh, the very first Star Wars ships came out. Interestingly enough, yeah, this was one of the first, or this was the first ship which came out which didn't appear in the movie. So, Rich, or Grant, or any of you guys, do you know what they did to try and aid the selling of this, bearing in mind that all the kids would have been saying, hey, that wasn't in the movie? It came with a little book, didn't it, which had a story in it about how the stormtroopers had stopped the Jawa Sandcrawler and you basically killed all the jars. Yeah, absolutely. And I looked at this on 12back.com. They, they go into a great deal of detail. So Star Wars Collector's Archive, brilliant. It perfectly explains the difference between the two. It gives the Sears catalogue uh, descriptions as well. But on 12back.com, it goes on to say, The Imperial Troop Transport was the first vehicle offered by Kenner that was not seen in Star Wars. To justify the vehicle, Kenner included a small comic book that explained its use in the Star Wars storyline, exactly what you've said, mate. According to the story, a squad of stormtroopers was ordered to find R2-D2 and C-3PO after their escape from the rebel blockade runner. On Tatooine, Jubak ground units had discovered the empty escape pods, so the high-speed troop transport was sent to track the droids down. Scanners on the transport picked up a Jawa sandcrawler, which was then intercepted. Warning shots were fired and the sandcrawler came to a halt for the Imperial search. It was discovered that the droids had been on the sandcrawler but had been sold to Owen Skywalker. Satisfied with this information, the troop commander ordered the vehicle to open fire, killing the Jowers and destroying the sandcrawler. How cool is that? So there we go. So it, it justified its place in the range. Well, the, sorry, the genocide wasn't cool. The actual... Um, yeah, the actual comic itself was good. <laughs> Obviously, genocide is just not good at all. Um, but there we go. So 
The sounds. Pete, do you have one of these? Nope. Stuart, hey, <laughs> how many are in the garage? Oh, actually, I've only got one of the actual troop transports. I did have, I have had that three. Yep. But I have recently sold uh, both my box ones because the box wasn't quite what I wanted. So just back to a loose one at the moment. Okay. Uh, and uh, Grant, Rebel Tran, uh, sorry, the Rebel Transport. Oh, my favourite. Uh, the Imperial Troop Transport and the Cruiser. You have them both? Yeah, I've got, got both of them. It's quite interesting that the um, the Imperial uh, Troop Transport came out on Palitoy as well on a Star Wars logo. And you think that might come out before they even had the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Is there much difference, Grant, between the Imperial Cruiser and the, the Transport box art? No, not really, mate. Not really. I haven't really got much to say about it, to be honest, bud. It's, it's, it hasn't got the record inside. It hasn't got the batteries. It's a lot lighter, but it's pretty much pretty similar. I don't even think it's got the um, capture. Uh, what they, what did you call it, Rich? Well, the, the brainwashing? Prisoner response. It, has, no, it did come with them, didn't it? Yeah, I thought it did. It did, it did yeah. And oh, it did, that, okay. Yeah, it did. And it's very surprising that because obviously they gutted the vehicle to keep the cost down, yet they still included those two plastic restraints. You would have thought that those would have been two obvious things to not put in the vehicle. Perhaps they needed something to sell it with. <laughs> you can't take everything out and just say, here, here's a lump of plastic. <laughs> well, that's what Mark X-Wings just bought, wasn't it? He's pretty much bought the whole. Uh, it does have the doors on it, and that's one of the key identifying features. That if you're seeing this now, I, I would recognise that the doors themselves... They've got the big stickers on. And as you've already said, Rich, there's more stickers on this. When you've got the comparison shot, you can see the difference and the lightness of the actual plastic itself. But yeah, the doors, for me, are the, are the major telltale. But let's talk about the sounds. How cool were they? Right, round robin, what were the sounds? R2. Yeah. Stormtrooper. Saying what, mate? What were they saying? Uh, freeze. I don't know, I think it was... Yeah, oh, it could be, could be. So, Stormtrooper R2, what else have we got? Four C-3PO. Yep. Yeah. There were blaster noises. Yeah. Two? Two blaster noises? Yeah, that's right. Is there it? was a blaster one and a... Well, it was a stun one. So you could say, there's one set for stun, and then you could press the stun. Amazing. Is there is there an engine one as well? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that's exactly it. So you've got the three sound effects uh, plus the R two D two, obviously C three PO and the stormtrooper. But if you were redesigning this now, lads, if if the only film which had come out was Star Wars: A New Hope, what sounds would you put in there? Genocide sounds, jazz. Genocide sounds. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would put Utini. Yeah, absolutely. Why haven't they got that? It's a Jawa sand crawler. Yeah, you burning Jawa sort of squeals. That would be a bit, you know, if if this thing has killed the Jawas, why would it be bragging Utini? Unless it's a call to them. Well, during it, while yeah, they're getting the whole like, point. burnt, you could be keep pressing it like that's the noise they make when they're getting exactly. burnt, setting fire to the vinyl caves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would quite like Binary Sunset to be played on it.
Oh, good show. Oh. What? What? As the jowls are burning. <laughs> you <laughs> you yeah, are nasty, exactly right, you're a nasty man, Stu. <laughs> nasty. Yeah, that's not a sun. That's a few jowls burning. No, that's not brilliant. Uh, the, what you're saying is again, Jez, you're loving this genocide, aren't you? <laughs> no wonder you fly around in like you know war planes trying okay. to kill people. Pete, Pete, those those jowls, those burning jowls, they're not dead. They're sleeping. Soon will I rest. Yes, forever sleep. Only mm. die. Well, let's have a little look. So, the catalogue description then of the Imperial cruiser holds up to 12 action figures, rotating laser and swiveling radar dish moving in tandem, six side compartments, holds prisoners or imperial troops, and the opening rear prisoner compartment. Inside, two immobilisation units fit over prisoners' heads for brainwashing. It's actually written for brainwashing. Her resistance to the mind probe is considerable. It'll be some time before we can extract any information from Goodness. And it says, unassembled, instructions included, Star Wars action figures not included, $11.99, Sears Wishbook, 1981. But I'm sure that I had seen that when this was first released, uh, and the price in America for the Imperial Tube Transport was five forty nine. So, let's launch Imperial Tube Transport in 1979, $5.49. $5. A few years later, we want to make it a bit cheaper, so we'll rip out all the electrics and then sell it for twice the price. Doesn't really make much sense to me, but there we go. But I, I, I think it's fair enough. Mark, X-Wing, you got a few bits to buy there to go for that, mate, but I absolutely love it. And Is, uh, go on. just a question on Mark X-Wing, is he related to Andy X-Wing, they've got the same surname? I don't think that's his real name, mate. What? Right, so let's talk about prices then. All right. I, I think I'm going to get an Imperial Tube Transport. And I know that we're talking about a cruiser here, but I really want to reminisce and listen to those sounds. Pete, what sort of things, what sort of, how much money are we going to have to spend to get a cruiser yes. or a Tube Transport? Shall I, shall I start with the cruiser thing as we're talking about the cruiser? Yeah. But, uh, you, you were talking about the prices, that they're not that much different. For a loose one, there's not a lot. So in the last couple of years, according to Star Wars Tracker, so since about 2015 to present day, Loose, complete, only 24 have been sold. It's not a lot. And not for much. Uh, averaging around about £23. Mm. 23 quid, Jess. So not expensive for, mm. for a loose one, complete. Um, someone paid as low as £2 for one. So obviously not on that many people's radar. For a box one, and it seems to be the only one recorded on here, as uh, a Kenner ESB-A. And um, that can go for anything. And that's, that's almost as unpopular as, it, as the... Um, as the loose one, but uh, some people have paid a, a nice kind of graded and mint and seal box about four hundred pounds. That will set you back, but uh, for for just one in a box, around about well well under a hundred pounds. So actually not an expensive thing, but they don't come up very often. Oh, Jazzy Jazz! Yeah, well, it's the first time I've come across the whole Imperial Cruiser, and in fact, you know, it, it can be quite confusing because when you put Imperial Cruiser 
into a search engine, you're often getting something else from the Star Wars line. What's that, Lance? Is that Star the, Destroyer. Yeah, no, the power. Oh, yeah, the Star Destroyer. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, the die cast one, I yeah imagine. absolutely die cast so the die cast cruiser the star destroyer so there we go you've got two different types of cruiser crazy crazy times learning every day so go on then pete you told us about the uh, cruiser but what's the difference then price wise between the cruiser and the more readily available imperial troop transport um well again for loose one there's not that much difference um, it's a similar sort of price. There's a few more available, or have been available. So you're looking at an average around about 27 quid for a Imperial Troop Transporter. Uh, box, there's a few a few uh, boxed versions. Again, it seems to be the uh, the Palatoy uh, Star Wars A um, is the most popular one. And that, that can set you back just for one in a box, about 70 quid. The highest has only been like £150. But the, uh, the ESB and the Kenner Star Wars... Um, again, not that many. Around four in the last couple of years of of, of the the Kenner Star Wars A, and a six of the Kenner ESB A. So, again, the prices none of them even anywhere near a hundred pounds for a, for a boxed version. Obviously, not a sealed and boxed version. I'd imagine they go for lots, but but uh, not not a not something that you see a lot of. But it doesn't seem to be too much demand of them though, because otherwise the price would have been a bit higher. Well, I demand them just like I demanded one in nineteen eighty, and, and I think. I think I'm going to have to add one to the collection. Be it, yeah, it's definitely going to be the troop transport, but I'm chuffed for Mark X-Wing to get his cruiser. He said he's been after one for a while. He's got a few things to get. He's got a few things missing. Yeah, he needs to get the battery cover. All right, it's not going to cover any batteries because it's got no electrics, but it still should have a battery cover. It should still have the radar dish, and it should still have the prisoner restraints. Uh, but apart from that, it's pretty much complete. But nice one, and I'm, I'm glad we spotted it because I'm glad that I've learned that they're <laughs> about the Imperial Cruiser. My goodness. Let's move on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A couple more things. Oh, go on then. It's interesting that you brought up the battery cover there, Jez. Yeah. So I found a lot of misinformation when I was researching on this troop transport. What colour battery cover? Oh, I've seen grey, and I've seen red and orangey. Well, I, th- I still think that's red as well. Um, there's been a lot of information about these battery covers. I've seen a lot of people actually say that the grey ones are repro. Um, I've got no idea if they're all repro battery covers. They probably are some somewhere. Um, but from what I've found out, certainly anyway, is that the Kenner ones are red. Most of the Palatoy ones are grey, but there are also some Palatoy ones that are red as well. So I'm just intrigued about these grey ones. Were they specific to certain batch of palatoy ones or were they available you know more readily more readily i didn't know i've even seen some people say red is kenna and gray is palatoy that's also not true because there are some red palatoy ones so i, I thought that was quite interesting yo yo i've got a red palatoy one mm-hmm. there you go grant's got one and next the the box themselves it's interesting to note that the 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 Kenner box has loose inserts that go inside to protect the vehicle, whereas the Palatoy one doesn't. The Palatoy one's inserts are actually attached to the box, so they don't actually come out, which I thought was interesting. Um, much, much, like the, um, much like the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. That's great stuff, Rich. Anything else? Nope. I do love an Imperial Troop transport. I wish that's what my Hello. people... He's off again. No, no, we've lost him. We've lost him. <laughs> no, no, I'm back. I'm back in the room. 
here I am. Jess, I, 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 I never saw it as a kid. Never saw it. Oh, I only yes. saw it until when I was later. Never saw it at all in shops or anything. No, I remember Simon Hillier having it and my mind being blown because that was back in time. If you remember, we didn't have DVDs. We didn't have the videos. It, was, it wasn't out on TV. So the only times you heard anything to do with Star Wars is when you listened to your rainbow read-along cassette or if you had the Imperial Troop Transport. And that's why I played the hell out of my rainbow read-along cassette, because I didn't have the Imperial Troop Transport. You know, because that was the only sound effects you were getting. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the hope of freedom was kept alive by rebel forces fighting... You know what the pennies just dropped for us, Jez? You asked your parents for the troop transport as a kid, didn't you? And your parents went to the shop, and they had a look about, and they saw the rebel troop transport, and they went, that's the one he wants. Yeah, they don't want you to be an Imperial, did they? I think that might be... You might be under something there. He might be onto something. But actually, my dad's got an amazing pedigree with always getting the wrong thing. Any of you guys get the Toshiba MSX computer when you're a kid? Nope. Any of you guys say to your dad, oh, I really, really want a mountain bike, really want a mountain bike. And then for your birthday, you get a five-geared drop handlebar racing bike because the people in the bike shop said, yeah, we've seen these mountain bikes. We think they're a bit of a fad. Um, yeah, so I got I got a chopper, mate. Yeah, oh, I got so a chopper jealous. as well. Oh. I was like you, Jez. I got a racer. They were much better than these chopper rubbish. Yeah, I, I got told that the mountain bike was a fad, <laughs> and we got the Toshiba MSX when all of my friends had the Commodore or an Amiga, and I was like, oh, I got no one to swap games with. Oh, it doesn't matter. They don't make any games for the Toshiba MSX. <laughs> So um, I like to think you're right, Grant. <laughs> I really like to think you're right, but I think the chances. Oh, are... mate, I had a ZX Spectrum, and literally, you can make a bed out of the amount of games. That <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh. My parents were 100 percent consistently doing brilliantly at getting me the wrong toy, but hey, it's made me the man I am today. What, running around in a, in a costume. Well, yeah, obsessed with collecting toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they ruined you, Jess. I'd yeah. sue them now. Yeah. Bless them. Love them. Right. Let's move on to page 2082. Very quick shout out for one of the bargains of the month. It was Star Wars fan. That's his, uh, that's his username. Got a dark booted PBP Rebel Commander bargain absolute bargain four pounds and when hell hippie comes on a couple of posts later and says wow that is the steal um, you know it's a pretty good deal pete any information on these yes jess funny enough there have been a couple sold not too long ago um so how much did you pay for it again four pounds four pounds £4 wouldn't have even paid the postage on this item. <laughs> so uh, two, two of them have gone recently, for um, and, and they were sold from Spain. Uh, one for £173, <laughs> as loose, loose obviously. And the other one was 
So 184 pounds. The, the the other one paid went for 184 and 173. So, and they both sold uh, around about the same month. Uh, one at the end of January, one sort of mid December ish. So within a month of each other. Wow, that's not bad. So someone must have had a couple of them. Just lurking around there. Dark booted. PBP, Rebel Commander, bargain, £4. Go and see what an absolute bargain looks for. Page 2082. A real bargain. Nice one, Star Wars fan. Moving on to page 2087. It was Andy Preston. Oh, I saw this photograph and then immediately I had flashback. Visions of me as a child. Rushing downstairs to play on the Toshiba MSX and then realising I had no games. Thinking, oh, I'm just going to cycle on my drop handlebar bike round to Ian Thomas's house and Simon Hillier's to play with all their Star Wars toys. But it was fond memories. Memories which were stirred in me because of the lampshade which I saw. Yes, that's right, a lampshade. A 70s, 80s lampshade of Star Wars on page 2087. Grant, come on, mate, this has got to be right up your alley. Tell me all about this wonderful lampshade which brings back all these amazing memories for me. Yeah, thanks for giving us this one, mate, because I've got hardly any information on it at all because basically there is no information on it. It's a uh, UK-produced Return of the Jedi lampshade by a company called Hajax. Um, I think Hajax sort of like had the license from um, uh, the US company Bibco Designs and Bibco Designs did all of these sort of uh, bedware and pillows and stuff like that for the Star Wars Empire license and the Jedi license in uh, in the States. Hajax apparently had the Jedi license at least in the UK. They had two separate sort of designs that they were running with. <clears throat> There's like a red design that you can see sort of like very similar to sort of like the stuff you see on the party uh, the party wear stuff, a Luke Vader red sort of design yeah. and there was another design as well which is actually used on this lampshade which I think has got things like the X-Wing and the Skiff on there Jabba Skiff but there is literally no information about there, it's not in the Tomark guide, I couldn't find any information, I contacted uh, Andy Preston about it, he didn't really have much information um, either um all I can really say is I've seen these come up for sale on eBay, and for the longest time I thought they were just bootleg. I thought they were the, the you know, the, like you see people uh, using sort of Star Wars curtains now and turning them into cushions and mm. stuff like that. Mm. I thought it was one of those, but apparently it is actually Hajax Manufacturing Co. Limited in the UK actually did make a lampshade. I think as well that they made uh, Ewok uh, bedspreads and stuff like that, but. Yeah. There is literally nothing that I could find about this item at all. No, it's absolutely not a bootleg. It's it's a beautiful reminder uh, of, for me, my bedroom, but also for other um, Star Wars from UK uh, users, because straight away it was uh, Lindo. It was bam. Oh, my goodness. That reminds me of my childhood. I had one of those. Stephen, Savory 100, same thing. And think... Stu put a comment on saying he's definitely got to get himself one of those. But no, absolutely, these were available in the UK. But my uh, my excitement was heightened even further when I think basically I got the same information from Andy as you did uh, with regards to what was available. But he said to me, oh, I am going to see if I can dig out a picture of the red variation. I think I've got it somewhere. It's not mine, but I've got a picture. And he sent me a picture and that's when the penny dropped. I didn't have the orange one, which he had, because, you know, as you said, you've got the red background one and the other orangey-brown, uh, which he had. 
no it was the red one it was exactly that that i had as a kid so that is well and truly on my radar to get now and um yeah absolutely amazing well, Jez, do you know what do you know what he also posted in the same photo as well was a sealed uk star wars pillowcase by house of ratcliffe yes which is ultra rare really hard to find stuff from uh, House of Ratcliffe in the UK really hard to find and to find that as well that, 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 is a, that was another biggie right, fantastic Andy is certainly bringing a lot of fantastic things to uh, to the forum but it was just from my hey, point of view go on he's, he's on the Beyond the Toys daily posting amazing stuff right well that's a great shout out to Beyond the Toys Jez did you ask your parents for the Palatoy Death Store and <laughs> they sort of looked at it and thought <laughs> This lampshade's cheaper and it looks the same and it's got the hole in the top to put the lamp through. We'll just get him that. It was That's amazing. Well. But do you know what? Whilst I got most of the wrong things as a kid, I mean, you, you know how much I love this stuff and how much I enjoy it. I look back and I think, oh my goodness, I so have to get that. Because it's just brilliant. So it just shows you that whatever budget, it didn't matter, whatever you had as a kid... You were just fascinated and delighted with Star Wars. I'm looking at this lampshade now, which I think ultimately, probably when I got to about the age of 15, 16, I was like, Mum, seriously, I need to get rid of this lampshade. Now I want it back so much. Amazing. You you could be right, though. I I think you're starting to believe what you're seeing now. What do you mean? I want this lampshade? Know that you actually look back at it with fondness. Oh, I do. Think of the childhood you could have had if you had got what everybody else got. <laughs> I'm happy with my lot. I'm, I'm just, I'm just happy, Jez. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm happy with my lot. I really am. A simple man for simple times. That's it. <laughs> and uh, let's let's simply move on. So, Rich, it comes to you now, mate, because you said to me, oh. There's a private sale which I've seen. Um, Tom Lawrence, 21A R5D4. I've no idea where you're going with this, mate. What's going on? Yeah, I like this little story, actually. Tom Lawrence sent us a PM and said, um, Rich, I've heard you're an R5D4 collector. Could you help us out with a query? Now, I've never, ever claimed to be an expert on R5D4. And I've said, you know, if I can help, I can help. But, you know, chances are I may not be able to. And he sends us a photograph of this 21A back and he says what do you think of it and i looked and i thought oh that looks terrible that and he said well i'm concerned about it being a, a repo and i looked at the car back and i thought that is in quite a poor washed out state i thought it doesn't really look that good and he mentioned something that twigged a, a, a long distant memory about there being a printing error on the 21a for the r5s so i did a lot of research on rebel scum and, and i found it and i when i checked my vintage spreadsheet that i've got I actually realised that I had a 21A, so I dug it out and it matched his. And what I I must have realised this at one point, because it is a dim and distant memory, but the Hildebrandt looking Lear logo in the top right-hand corner, which on virtually with on every other card back, is a nice, you know, goldy colour. On the R5D4, it was printed without any red, so it looks grey, or, you know, I don't think grey is probably the right colour, but it looks like a very, very faded colour. And um, because it's made, it's obviously it's only made up of yellows and blues. And when I held my twenty-one up, I looked at it and I thought, how did I not spot that? It's 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 a telltale sign, you know. Um, so I checked mine; it matched it matched his absolutely perfectly. And he said, "Well, can you do us a favour? Can you check the bubble size? Can you check the bubble type? Can you check the punch?" 
And, you know, we compared it all and says, yep, both match. And then when we flipped it over and we checked the bubble punch, the bubble punches were in different places. And that's where I think, oh, right. Okay, so the punches are in different places, but they're both on a 21A. So I went to the Facebook group, you know, the Ask Us Anything or something along them lines, it's called. I posted on there and said, look, two 21As, you know, both identical except for the punch tab. Other than the Jawa, which I'm aware of, because the, the Jawa has a punch tab that moved along. Um, do you expect the punch tabs to be in different positions? And if you, I, I remember Nick Rees and a couple of other guys commented on there and said, yeah, sure, it's, it just means that they produced at different factories. And it was something I was not aware of. I didn't know that at all. So thanks to a simple question, well, it wasn't a simple question, but thanks to a small question from Tom Lawrence, it led us down a path that I really enjoyed uh, researching. So I thought that was great, and I learned a hell of a lot from that. Yeah, Rich, um... I, I had the same issue when I got a, a R5-D4, I noticed the fading on it, and I thought it was a reproduction as well. Yeah, uh, quite a lot of people have done that. Yeah, if you go on Rebel Scum and you do you do a check, you know, there's a lot of people asking about that R5. So, yeah, it was printed without any red. Wow. And Rich, what was that Facebook group you were talking about? It's it's Ask Us Anything. I think it's called Star Wars Ask Us Anything, or something along those lines. Uh, it's easy to find. Oh, right. Yeah, never heard of that either. Star Wars Ask Us Anything. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Mate, that's great. Nice one. Right, guys, I went over to Rebel Scum. And as I've said in the past, there have been a few months where we've not mentioned anything about Rebel Scum because, you know, when it comes down to their uh, recent acquisition threads, you've had a few tumbleweeds blowing through there. And I think this may have been taken and uh, by a chap called Duskamp recently because last post, which had been for a while, was on the 10th of February. And then well over a month passes, Dust Camp comes on saying, not much action here, any news people? And this stirs something on Rebel Scum. And then with a day, lots of people are posting some cracking stuff, some um, proofs, some triple packs. But it was Tatsy, who's been a collector now for quite a while. We've seen him on a variety of forums. Tatsy posts up a Star Wars Minton card, Power of the Force, Gamorrean guard, which straight away... I thought, hmm, don't see many of those around. Tatsy's picture, at last, I finally got myself this fat little expletive. <coughs> but guys, here we go. First and foremost, Power of the Force, Gamorrean Guard. Don't see many of those too often, do you? Why? Is it because it was an uh, Australian release? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just n- not available in the US, so obviously being Power of the Force City, not available in the UK. So, Gam Guards then. What else have we got then, guys? What do we know about these Power of the Force? Because a lot of people talk about them. People are collecting stuff all over the place. But I think this, the whole Power of the Force range, I think is a really interesting range for cards. Because, as you know, well, they're not all on Power of the Force, are they? I know that a lot of people refer to the 37 or the 37 achievable ones. I think that's a bit of a high number. Actually, I think 35 is probably more realistic. It's also the uh, the Gam Guard, is it? The Atat Driver, Nikto, and the yeah. Anakin. They're all out there as well. It's sort of like lumped together as a tricky Power of Force uh, kind of figures. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you, when you think about it, if you break it down into two groups, so obviously the Power of the Force was released because of the last 17. But in the USA, they just had on Power of the Force the last 15. So Anakin and Yakface being missing. So this is why there's always the whole demand for a Power of the Force Yakface and why they charge such high prices. 
So, yeah, as you said, Anakin and Yak Face. But there were 22 other re-releases on Power of the Force, but 19 in the USA. So, again, three of them were missed. And those three being, as you've quite rightly said, Grant, Nikto, Attack Driver and the Gamorrean Guard. So to get a full run of Power of the Force is a toughie. So the last 17 which you're familiar with, minus Anakin and Yakface, but then 22 other releases, 19 in the USA. So what figures are we talking about on Power of the Force? Can you get your uh, TIE Fighter pilot, Grant? Uh, no, mate, that didn't make it on Power of the Force. There are uh, a couple of proof cards, that's about it. What about you, Stu? Can you get your focus character on Power of the Force? Nope. And that Greedor coin's a nightmare to get as well. Yeah. So, so the whole thing with Power of the Force, I mean, yeah, so they had ATST driver, B-Wing, Biker Scout, C-3PO with removable limbs, Chewbacca, Darth, Emperor, hand trench coat, which apparently is also a bit of a tricky one, Jawa, Luke X-Wing, so I'm all right, Luke Jedi Knight, Lumat, Ben, Paplu, Leah Endor, Stormtrooper, Tebow, Wicket, and Yoda. So, yeah, talking about this, the, the final three then, which were the, the Nikto, the Attack Driver, and the Camorian Guard, any of you guys know about the um, issues with the coins which come of these? Yeah, Attack Driver and Nickdor had Warwick coins. Yeah, for some reason, not sure why. So Gamorian Guard comes with its own coin, but um, yeah, it's uh, the Attack Driver uh, and the Nikto for some reason come with a Warwick. You know, we've we've seen over the last. Um, well, our, our friend Chris Mann bought himself as a treat the Nikto. And uh, one of the uh, concerns he had is obviously with these bubbles, because they were um, uh, pr- pretty much, you know, in Australia, there was a lot of concern about sun damage uh, and these power of the force bubbles become oh. really, really brittle. Go on, mate. Oh, also, also, there's a lot of worry about, you know, uh, koala damage as well. Koala damage, indeed. Great white, great white shark damage, surfer damage. <laughs> well, shima damage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could go on. I mean, I just look at it, looking at his gam guard. So obviously, the gam guard on top of his head, he's got his little horns. Nick too, on top of his head, he's got the little horns, and uh, it's exactly not what you want when you've got a very, very brittle bubble. So I'm um, sure Tatsy is going to be looking after his gam guard um, particularly well. Uh, but congratulations on that, mate! Awesome. Hey, Jez, I've also noticed as well. Um, but, well, I've come across a, a 2014 valuation for the Power of Force Gamorian guard. Oh, go on. At $4,500. So that's in 2014. I've, I've seen a few around about the £2,000, £2,200 mark in the last year. But I yeah. think a lot of them are damaged, aren't they? Because obviously the size of the Gamorrean God. Yeah. Um, it's probably the same true with Nikto as well, with the, the pointy pointy bits on the top of its head. Yeah, the most yeah, brittle so. bubbles, and you've got horns on the head. But there we go. Yeah, Power of the Force, 92 back Gamorrean Guard. Australia only figure included the correct coin. Um, yeah, there's, a, there's actually a, a really good thread on uh, Rebel Scum called Price Check High End Power of the Force Mock Times Four, and oh, that wow. really goes into uh, you know people debating about the Atta Driver, Nikto, and the Gamorian Guard, and talking about prices, valuations, and how many are actually available or uh, on the AFA register. Fantastic. I had no idea about that. Is that a regularly used one or one which is just brought from the depths every now and then? Uh, completely accident, mate. I just typed in rare power of the force. Good morning, God. <laughs> I should have done this days ago. Happy days. 
Jez, can I just ask about the, the last 15 that you mentioned, the power of the force? It, it makes sense that Yak Face wasn't available in America, but why do you think Anakin wasn't included? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, why, why do you think Yak Face wasn't included? Because it was so late and it was a crap figure, basically. Um, well, but there's I, I your think, answer. <laughs> do you think Anakin wasn't included because it was already available as a mailer promotion and they had a lot of those in stockpiles? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say also that you know if we say that oh yeah, yeah, yeah face was a crack figure, well you know but they they quite happily put on the imperial dignitary, didn't they? Do you want to um, do you want a rundown of 2003 to 2014 uh, Gamorian Guard AFA graded figures? Yeah. Okay. Uh, for grade for clear bubble, zero exists. For yellow bubble, a total of 54 exist from ranging from AFA grades 60 to 85 so no 90s uh, the majority of them are 80s uh, so yeah that goes to show you if you think about 54 carded graded figures there from 2003 to 2014 that's a pretty rare figure Jess do you want the tracker data on this figure? Yeah go for it Pete there isn't any <laughs> uh, this is a pretty rare figure then yeah. he, he's scored big time he's done really well getting all of this figure yeah. oh yeah big time I love that Pete nice one <laughs> so uh, great to see you posting and uh, great to see you finally you've got yourself a power of the force Gamora guard nice one Tatsy moving on so I went over to Tantive 11 and as you guys know, I've been raving about them a bit recently. And I don't even think a little bit too much because I think uh, what I've been saying is very well justified. And again, the whole reason now I'm bringing this up is because it's an absolutely fantastic post which really, really clearly illustrates uh, differences in figures and what people can look out for with regards to um, variations. It was on page 40. Hell Hippies put up a comparison of his small V power droid. He's also put this on TIG, but I just wanted to mention it. Hell Hopi, what did he say? I've just got this kick-ass small V power droid on the left. Here he is compared to the much more common large V one. Quite possibly one of the most boring and hardest variations to track down I've ever tried to acquire for one thing. Uh, for one thing, most people don't know what why they have him. And the second thing is very hard to tell just from a picture without a comparison shot. The differences are the smaller V, a smaller sticker, smaller body and paint apps. Also, the grooves on the top of the figure are much shallower. I'm very excited to finally have a variant of everyone's favourite figure, the Mighty Power Droid. So just a quick shout out, again, just to show you that you can go to somewhere like Tantive 11. People talk about these variations but these guys are going to the trouble of, of articulating and illustrating exactly what the differences are. So you can readily identify which power droid you've got. So for those people who have bought a power droid and think, oh, I wonder what one, take yourself over to Tantive 11, page 40. Pete! Oh. Hello! Hello, sir. You Hello. said to me, I want to talk about this on this Facebook group. So, without any further ado, Pete, what is it which is brought Something special to your attention. Well, it, it was the fact that it was changed that brought it to my attention because you know I don't know anything about box. You know what I'm like, um, I'm uneducated. So uh, I obviously went and had a look at this. Thought that's interesting. It's it's gone from a um, 
well, the letter has changed. So just to introduce it, it is a 2-1-B, Return of the Jedi, 48-back Macau. And it was listed first as 48-D. It's by a guy called Michael, I'm going to ruin this name, um, Passiorca. So if I have ruined his name, I do apologise. I did contact him to try and find his real name, but he didn't get back to me. But if I have ruined your name, apologies. So, and he posted this this new, newest acquisition. Really nice card. Bubbles look really nice and clear. All very, very hunky-dory. But then he got changed from a 48D to a 48E. And it was like, what on earth is all that about? So who am I going to ask about 21B stuff to get an answer? Educator Supreme, Mr. Jason Smith, gave me a bit of information. Apparently, this 48D is really three different cards, which is like, uh, what are you, what? It was a 48D, 48E, and a 48F. So we know he's, he's doing his, his variation stuff. And uh, I know also that Rich Rich uh, got involved in this in this thread of this of this acquisition because he completely threw me. I'm thinking, what on earth is all that about? All these these different kind of you know variations and and you know the fact that we've got an an F and a quick look at tracker, um, hardly any information past a C and uh, and a B. So I was completely confused. Now, Rich, you were also having a look at this as well, weren't you? Yeah, I was because obviously I just. You know, recently read as well that the 48D ENF had been discovered. There's also actually a 48G. I'm just going to divert very, very quickly. The 48G is really causing a problem for me because it's actually on an Empire card, whereas the D, E, and F are on a Jedi card. So perhaps it's time for the 48 backs to be completely recategorized because, you know, I, I don't like the fact that the G was before the D, E, and F. Because apparently, uh, I mean, Jason said that 48G is an, is an alternative 48A. What is, I don't even know what that means. Hang on a well, second. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I currently don't know where I am or what my name is. I think I'm melting. This is all your fault. Where are you looking at this? Because um, you, you were so excited about it, you jumped straight in without actually exactly. explaining where you're looking. So what groups are this on? So, so the Imperial Commissary Forum So on the Facebook group. Okay, uh, and what day was this posted? Can you remember? Twenty uh, third of March. Okay, so twenty third of March in the Imperial Commissary, uh, you've seen this forty eight bag, which is an A, a, a D, a G. No, no, a forty eight D, a forty eight D, and it got, and then suddenly it was changed into a forty eight E. That's what caught my attention. It's like, what is going on here? Because obviously. Um, people looking into these variations more and more and more and more information is coming up and the fact that we've now got 48d is really three different cards apparently 48d 48e and a 48f but it can't so, be it's, it's one card so well it, what's exactly exactly do, do you want us to explain them yeah go on yeah right okay well up until very very recently there was the 48d and nothing else until jason noticed on the back of some of his 48ds the text at the top were was slightly different and this is what he's got now is a breakdown of 48ds to f's working with uh, chris Fawcett over on 12back.com so the 48d is a card that comes from the Unitoys factory, and that has Star Wars on one line, and then Action Figures Collect All 48 on a second line, whereas the 48E has Star Wars Action Figures on one line, and Collect All 48 by itself on a separate line, and that's from the Smile factory, and the 48F, which is from the Kada factory, has a split over three lines, so it's got Star Wars on one line, Action Figures on the second line, and Collect All 48 on the third line. 
So that 48D, or all of those which were originally called 48D, nobody noticed those text anomalies at the top, so they've now been recategorized D, E, and F. Now, that's had the knock-on effect with the 48A, because the 48A had Star Wars action figures collected all 48 at the top, but because we've also got the B and the C, the next difference that was noticed in that has been given the category G. So the, so the 48G actually belongs with the 48A. And that also causes another problem, because to me, surely there's a three-line text one that hasn't been discovered yet. So is that going to be given a 48H? <laughs> I'm so glad you explained that, Rich, because I had a, a big <laughs> bunch of text there going, oh my goodness, how am I going to decipher that? So yeah, but I mean, I mean, I don't know who I really, feel really sorry for here. Jared Cope and his Star Wars tracker. He's going to have to completely re- reset all these, uh, well, the whole 48 back uh, prices. Because, I mean, they would be all over the place. Because you have to go back and look at exactly which was which if we do this is new information. It's caused me a problem because my, my 48D is now a 48E as well. And it also means that I've now got to track down a 48D, a 48F, and a 48G. So cheers, Jason. <laughs> 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 but I, I mean, you know, on, on a round, <laughs> poor Rich. But on a round of point, I mean, you know, when this sort of thing happens, I mean, that is a, that's a huge amount of information, and people have to look at the, just like Rich, have to look at their, their, their variants and their collections, and actually reassess them. That is, a, I think, it's a huge, huge thing that's been uncovered. I'm not sure whether it's people are going to love him, but um, <laughs> it's well, definitely interesting. The thing is, that a, a lot of people just won't care. I think there's. there's yeah. There's not a lot of people that that's going to affect. But if you go to 12back.com on Chris Forster's website, he has the card backs very, very clearly photographed. So if you've got your 48 uh, card back in your hand, just turn it over, check it off on that website, and you'll know exactly what you've got. <laughs> and then go buy another one. <laughs> there we go. It was, it was, just, it, 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 it was just literally because that, because it was just like, oh my goodness, what on Did, earth Didn't this? expect that, Jez, did you? <laughs> no idea what's going on. It makes well, sense to somebody, I tell you. Where I live or what my name is. Cool. <laughs> Anyone got anything else to add on that? Wonderful. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, can you explain that? I don't get it. <laughs> it's just as well I had some time off work, isn't it? Grant, I'm going to come to you, mate, because uh, your beloved be on the Toys Facebook Gimcrack page. You've, uh, well, Tell me all about it, mate. What, what's flicked your switch this time? Yeah, this is a lovely piece. I actually, to get us warmed up into it, I've actually got um, a video, and it, apparently it's the television debut of the 1983 Atari arcade machine. So if we could play that first, Jez. Oh, fantastic. Let's give it a listen. Yahoo! You're all clear, kid. Well, here it is, the most eagerly awaited arcade game of the year, the brand new Star Wars. Sound familiar? Let's check out the action. Now, as Luke Skywalker, your mission is to reach the Death Star and find the tiny exhaust port that's the only spot vulnerable to your proton torpedo. As play begins, R2-D2 is flying, so all you have to do is blast away at the fighters and avoid the fireballs. Then you take the controls and navigate through the towers and bunkers on the face of the Death Star, looking for the exhaust port. The voice of the flight controller helps you through the game, and you hear other familiar characters from the film. Each time you're hit, you lose one of the shields protecting you. The third and final phase is in the trench, surrounded by gun turrets firing lasers. If you can dodge them all, you find the port where you have just seconds to drop the proton torpedo. 
when you zoom away just as the Death Star disintegrates in a brilliant display of light and sound. There are nine more levels, each with new hazards and faster and smarter opponents. There's both cockpit and upright versions, but the gameplay is exactly the same. This machine was supposed to be ready for the summer opening of Return of the Jedi, but just now is arriving. However, it doesn't need the tie-in with the film to make it a success. And like the Force, this Star Wars game will be with you always. Okay, so as we know, this is from the, uh, what this actually is, is it's known as a, uh, a marquee, which is a, a, a piece of the 1983 Atari arcade machine. And it would sit on top of the stand-up arcade machine, and it would be illuminated. It's a way of sort of like getting you know, your attention to go over and, and play on the arcade. It would be lit up. I've been, I've been chatting to Mark Daniels, who actually purchased this and posted it on the Beyond the Toys Facebook page. He's thinking about turning uh, uh, turning it into a light box. Now I've got the um, I've got the glass that's actually from the sit down arcade as well. So uh, thinking the same thing of making like light boxes for these. It's a beautiful sort of uh, graphic of the Star Wars logo with the Atari logo, and it's got an X wing and a Darth Vader's uh, Tie Fighter on there. So I've been looking into it a little bit. Um, Mark purchased this for about ninety dollars after import tax. He says that there is a major issue at the moment with reproduction of these sort of items, which seems really bizarre. The Atari arcade itself is not that easy to find, and when you do find it, it's pretty expensive. I've seen a sit-down one online for sale now for £3,000, which is the same price as my car. But, you know, it's really tempting, but I couldn't get to work. Uh, as far as getting like parts for the Atari arcade, you can get lots of different sort of, you know, the flight controllers for it, which is known as steering yokes all the pla- uh, plastic bezels that go around the screens, power supplies, internal sort of wiring and stuff like that. Uh, the marquee thing itself, it's a thick plastic polymer material that has been screen printed and mounted onto glass and then mounted onto a wooden frame. It measures about 23 and a half inches by 6 inches. So it's a, it's a really amazing piece and I love the idea of transforming it into a light box. I think it would make a really good you know, uh, display uh, to have in your collection. Um, there's not too much more to say about the actual item itself. Uh, it's a really lovely find. I mean, they've, they've the, some of the cover art, actually, for the Atari Arcade, like the big side paneling, pretty cheap. You can pick, a, pick up an entire side panel for £88 on eBay in America, which is, I thought, that's pretty cheap. But, you know, the whole arcade itself is, is pretty expensive at £3,000. Um, I try to find out if arcade collectors worry about sort of modern items being put into the arcade because obviously these things break down the bulbs go and things need replacing but i didn't get a reply from that but i'd be quite interested to find out but there's a lot of videos on youtube on how to restore these kind of things um but i've also found a video of the guy who actually uh well an interview with the guy who actually wrote the atari arcade game uh you know and uh, i think it'd be nice to bookend it with uh We've listened to what he had to say about it. It's a little bit about the development of this game. This is a result of a three-year research project that we've been developing on 3D simulation and other types of games. And just end of last year, we got a contract with Lucas to do some games based on his Star Wars trilogy. And this is the first game in that series that we've produced. The most, uh, the first innovation that we've introduced is the Star Wars flight controller that not only involves both hands for accurate positioning and aiming, 
but also is a very non-fatiguing control because it is human engineered. It's angled to handle the arms in the standard position of the hands, and it's downsized for most of the population to use. Another obvious feature that's involved is where we've amplified what our vector generator capabilities are. The TV screen runs at about twice our previously fastest speed. The computer inside, we use about four processors all interlinked. Some of them operate the sound, some operate the vector graphics, some operate the math, uh, rotation, pitch, yaw, to do a full three-dimensional, you're in the center of the universe flying one of the uh, X-wings through the uh, Star Wars universe. As I mentioned, we have the math box, which is a proprietary design that we just finished developing. We have things on the design board now that are about two to four times faster. One of the processors handles the sound. We have stereo in the sit-down that projects from back of the ears for full separation. Plus, we have some underneath-the-seat speakers to help give the rumble of actually flying inside of an X-Wing aircraft. Fantastic. Nice one, mate. No, that's great. Oh, I love the idea of that. You imagine having the control column. Just even that. Awesome. Well, look at the, uh, the control column is uh, about 220 quid. Yeah, but you know the thing that you're talking about is you're talking about you know 35 year old technology. So, but you know there are arcade collectors and enthusiasts who sort of restore these things, and so tempted though three grand. I mean that is a that is an ultimate vintage Star Wars item right there. Right, so there we go, guys. What another amazing month! Just wrecked it for a whole load of stuff. We we we've had bargains galore. I've educated myself with regards to the Imperial Cruiser, Imperial Troop Transport. I've had a reminisce about, about childhoods and stuff and looking at what Grant thought may have been a bootleg and it turned out it was an actual genuine licensed product. Uh, and listening also to all the Atari stuff. Well, what a fantastic month. I've really enjoyed it. And guys, thanks ever so much for looking into everything you've looked into. Let's see what we can find next month. Now I want to welcome back Carl Dix and Mark Baker for this month's Rapid Fire. Are you ready, gents? Yes, we are indeed. Mark, you're answering first on each question. And uh, okay. by the time you answered, Carl should be rapidly following. So, let's go. Favourite Star Wars movie? Return of the Jedi. Empire. Your favourite Star Wars scene? The meeting of Wicket and Leia in, the, uh, in Endor. I think mine's... Uh... When Luke finds out that Darth's his father at the end of Empire. Uh, your favourite on-screen character? Yoda. Oh, it was always... Everyone at school always had Luke as theirs, and I didn't ever want to follow them, so I chose Chewbacca. Starting to look a bit like him with that beard, aren't you? <laughs> your favourite lightsaber duel? Well, a bit controversial, but I'd probably say Darth Maul and um, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. I, I'm going to have to say Empire again, the one with um, Darth Luke. I actually think yeah. that's uh, quite dramatic. Your favourite figure as a child? TIE Fighter Pilot. I just remember seeing it on on the stands in WH Smith thinking, what a cool card back, what a cool figure it was. Well, th- that is the best answer we've ever had. Thank you for that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say it was his favourite figure now. Uh, Carl? Well, obviously, it's Stormtrooper. Always had a good few of them when I was a kid. Okay, and your favourite figures now? Yoda. Uh, well, obviously, Stormtrooper. Which character do you wish they'd made a figure of? Garindan, or Garindan, the Imperial spy. Oh, see, everyone says Tarkin, don't they? Which I think is, a, is the obvious choice. But Ula, 
Favourite vehicle or playset? Favourite vehicle is TIE Fighter, and that can be TIE Fighter Standard or Darth Vader's TIE Fighter or TIE Interceptor. I just think they're all really cool. Imperial Shuttle for me. Never had one as a kid. Um, I had a box-sealed one, which I had to sell because I was too tempted to open it. So my next one's going to have to be a loose one. And a vehicle or playset you'd wish they'd made? I think oh. they should have made a, uh, a Jabba's Palace playset. I was going to say the Sarlacc pit. Your favourite figure's photo art? Well, besides TIE Fighter Pilot, <laughs> I quite like Ugnaught, and I don't know why that is. I think it's quite a bold image. Yeah, my, mine would be the Power Droid card back. I think that purple background, just vibrant and lovely for me. Your best and worst last 17 figures? Well, Imperial Dignitary is by far the worst, and best Luke Stormtrooper. I would say, I'd have to put Anakin in with that. Didn't have much play value. But the best figure has got to be a man man I think his, again, the size of him and his weapon and the sculpt on it's amazing. Your favourite Star Wars book? When I was younger, I used to read quite a lot of Star Wars novels, but then they just overwhelmed me and I could never keep up. But I did enjoy the Shadows of the Empire book, Admiral Thrawn and all that. That was excellent. Uh, mine was the, the first annual, so the black annual with that lovely cover art, only because... Uh, it was the first thing my sister bought me for my birthday in 78. Other than the Jabber's Court groups, what is your favourite Facebook group? I quite like the 12-back group, but it's a bit out of my league financially. So I go and sort of snoop around on there, although I rarely post. I like the variant group as well. Yeah, so uh, I, I got kind of a little bit of a side focus of catalogues and paper stuff. Although I sold a little bit lately, just a, I did a bit of wedding wedding stuff. But um, I do like looking at the the artwork. I come, I'm a designer by trade, so you know, looking at the how they drew and how they designed some of these leaflets and pamphlets and how they differed between groups, I quite like that. Other than that, at the moment, I'm spending most of my time on the droids and Ewoks sort of lines because that's my next goal is to get a droids uh, set. What was your last vintage purchase? My last vintage purchase was a custom IG-88 droids figure off Bill Cable. Nice. Um, If you ask my missus, it was an Uze Stormtrooper off of uh, Stefan a few weeks ago. That was going to be my last big purchase because everything again is going towards the wedding. But I've sneaked in a (laughs) Stormtrooper off eBay, which I had a black blaster, but it didn't. (laughs) Um, Quite cheap. And then I've got some German Star Wars, vintage Star Wars books come through today. And uh, finally, what is your holy grail item? I'm after a glass leet Leah, but it must include blaster. Holy grail for me would be something like um, an original Stormtrooper helmet or gun or even part of armour from, from the film, like a prop item. I don't think anything anything below that would be a holy grail for me because you know, if it's affordable, they're not affordable, obviously, but if it's affordable, I don't think it's classes as a grail. Well... Carl, Mark, some great answers in there. Uh, a few different items as well than what I've heard before. But thank you both so much for joining us tonight on the Vintage Rebellion. Uh, thanks for Thank you. It's time for our rapid fire question of the month. And I want to know this month, sticking on the Return of the Jedi theme from last month, what is your best and worst cardback image from those Return of the Jedi run of figures? Uh, we're going to go with Grant. 
Did you know my favourite card back of all is on the uh, Return of the Jedi, and that's got to be the Royal Guard. I love that card back, man. Definitely would love to do that as a focus. Worst one? Do you know what? I was thinking Maydeen, but I'm probably going to have to go with Pruneface. It doesn't do anything for me. Poor yeah, Prune it's a bad card, isn't it? Uh, Pete? Um, I've always been... I've always loved the Biker Scout card. Um, it's a lovely yep. man. But I've, I've got to say, Log does nothing for me. Fair enough. Uh, Jez? Yeah, Biker Scout definitely is the best card. It's exactly the same image you get on the advert for, for the speeder bike, so you can just imagine it. However, the worst one, Bib Fortuna. Oh, now, guys, go and look at that image now, and he just looks like Sloth from the Goonies' thick brother. He's just still... He's just got nothing. It's just oh, that's got harsh. Nothing. Harsh, no, yes. No, Bib, Bib Fortuna, great figure. Awful card back. It who who like do you know who's the focus collector for Bib Fortuna? No one. No one. Right figure. We're going on about. It looks like that um, the statue for Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Bib Fortuna. Awful figure. Right, awful Rich. I've uh, I've left you to last on purpose so you can blow <laughs> us away. Well, I knew you'd done that, right? And bizarrely, I'm, right, expecting to be last. I wrote down Empire's Royal Guard, so I've crossed that one out because Jez took it. I then, uh, sorry, uh, Grant, no, 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 minus two yeah. points. Sorry, yep, Grant took it. Minus two points. I then wrote down Baker Scout, and now I've crossed that one out because <laughs> Pete took it. Um, I can't even remember what Jez said, so I'm left <laughs> minus two points. I said Baker Scout as well. Take, as take all of his points away. I'm left with Luke Jedi because I think Luke Jedi is a great cardback. Mm-hmm. Now mm. I must admit, though, right, talking about Jedi cardbacks, when I was going through them, I've, I've basically went, those ones are great, those ones are awful, and there's very little in the middle. In fact, nothing in the middle. It's, it's either great or rubbish. That's, that's the way I looked at it. So, looking at the bad ones, I started off Maydean, but now I've crossed that one out. So, I'm going with the B-Wing pilot, because he's not even on the card back. It was a... Excuse me. Excuse me, a figure doesn't have to be good to be on the card back. I can assure you that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I actually agree with Grant. I think the Emperor's Royal Guard is is a stunning card. I also quite like it's the, the best. It's beautiful. It's, I love it on a tri logo. Actually, I think yeah, it, man, it looks amazing. And I also quite like the Rebel Commander. I quite like all those browns with the green figure. I am. Well, I'm not sure about that. It looks better yeah. tri logo. <laughs> and my least favourite would have to probably be. I again, I agree with Grant. I think Prune Face is pretty hideous. And Clato Skiff, because he's got like his hands on his hips. <laughs> yeah, that's high it. camp, that's good. He's like, well, what's going on here? I think he's yeah. doing the time warp, isn't he? Yeah, he's doing the time warp. Yeah, don't, well. don't, knock, don't knock the time warp, boys. Uh, Rich, feedback from 34? Well, surprisingly, Stu, we had quite a lot of feedback considering that the episode hasn't been out that long. Um, and I also want to say that we're starting to get a bit of feedback about uh, a glitch on, as far as I'm aware, it's only happening on iOS at the moment. So a lot of our older episodes are starting to download on, on people's phones. It isn't anything to do with us, I can assure you that. Um, lots of other podcasts have reported the same issue. So we had lots and lots of great feedback on the guest, which is what we're always like. We always like comments on our guests, and a lot of people have said that they found uh, Brian's interview really, really great. You agree that he's one of the nicest guys in the hobby. He came across really well in the interview. Um, lots of positive feedback on that. 
sometimes when we are talking about titles and artworks, there's there's often you know a divide in the group saying ah that's a naff title, that artwork's not a great idea. I think last month's one was a bit of a weird one because the title, one or two of us were kind of saying, ah, that's an awful title, that. We got a hell of a lot of feedback on the title, which is really unusual. And even more on the artwork, the the title and the artwork, loads of people have said, wow, that's absolutely awesome, great idea, how do you come up with it? So um, very, very pleased on that. And Brian's even taken the artwork and is making some badges to give out in Orlando, so um, fantastic. Now, the reseal debate took off with some interesting discussion on Source Home UK. Um, Andy Norton was, you know, listening to what Pete had said, and he thought, actually, that, that that's an interesting idea. Am I doing wrong by doing this? But then um, I know Palatai Junkie John and a few other people have come on and said, no, actually, reseals do have a place in the hobby, which is what we were trying to say to Pete last week, but he took no notice of it. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then, unfortunately, um, Jason had took something that Pete said, which he didn't say. Pete did not say that reseals are repros. He said quite clearly that he views them, it's his personal opinion, that he views them as the same as repros, and that people who say that reseals are this, the same argument that repros are using. So it's very, very clear that Pete didn't say that. He, he thinks that they are repros, as just viewed in the same kind of manner. Um, we haven't found anybody at all to back Pete up. You're in a minority <laughs> of one here. Good, so if, good. If anybody at all agrees with Pete and says, actually, reseals don't have a place in the hobby, then by all means, you know, let me know and we'll be interested to hear what you've got to say. Ed brought up something that was really interesting and I passed this on to Tommy Garvey and he did one of his ethics posts on Facebook and Rebel Scum. And Ed's point was, um, with regards to the prototype R2 lunchbox that was found at the estate, um, estate sale, now, from memory, did he pay $6 for this and it was worth something like two or 3000 Yes, so correct. That's correct, yeah. So he said, is it ethical to purchase an item way below market value as an, at an estate sale as it may affect the inheritance money of the family who was making the sale? And that's a great point. That is a really, really good point. I mean, obviously, the guy who's, who's bought this, I don't think he was entirely aware that, of the value of the item that he purchased. And Ed's had hypothesised that perhaps if he'd been in that same situation, that he would have went back to the estate and said, look, I've paid $6 for this, I've now found out it's worth X amount of money, I'm going to give you some more. Um, not saying that there's any right or wrong answer, but I pass it on to Toby because I thought it would be an interesting debate on, you know, what what would people do? And then others have come on and said, but yeah, but if you're in a charity shop, and if, you, if there's a corridor figure at a charity shop, and they're selling it for a pound, you're not going to tell them that that's a £250 or you know more mock. You're going to buy it for the pound, and the charity's going to lose out. So there was some interesting debate on that, and it's you know it's interesting from, from an ethics point of view. Tonight, just as we're recording, a fantastic post from Stefan, which I've got to mention, and this was on the TIE Fighter pilot go see all that we talked about now he's put a post on soft zone uk and i urge everybody to go and check that one out and he said that that tie fighter pilot's actually from the ceo family one and he said the ceo text was stamped in the wrong half of the tool and uh, this error would then have been spotted and repaired by filling in the holes and the remaining text or go coo is imperfection in the repair and he's, he's got some detailed images with arrows pointing to the parts of the ghost COO. So thank you, Stefan. That's absolutely fantastic. We love feedback like that. Over on Tant of Eleven, we've had some great feedback from the 89th Chris, Nico and Clint, talking about some of the items that were discussed, such as 
um, the shipping cases, which unfortunately did not hit its target on the Kickstarter campaign. Um, Ed over on Transform UK mentioned that he is not convinced it's going to fully work, and he would like John Paul and the guys from Tick to do perhaps a little bit more research on whether it can absorb the shock correctly, because he still thinks that, that bu- the bubble is going to puncture. So um, I'm sure John Paul's done you know lots of tests and what he's had. Um, and we'd would like to see what's going to happen in that in the future. And we've had lots and lots of feedback on our Facebook group. Keep them coming. We read them all. Um, Stu, if anybody wants to get in contact with us, how should they do that? Yeah, they can get in touch all the usual ways via Facebook by searching Vintage Rebellion. Uh, email us on show at vintagerebellion.co.uk, on Twitter at SWTVR Podcast. And on Instagram, again, just search Vintage Rebellion. Now, I believe our Twitter and Instagram accounts are going to become far more active, so follow us on those apps if you don't already do so. Uh, If you're a new listener or maybe just want to go back and have a re-listen to any of our previous shows, you can find the entire back catalogue on iTunes or listen to any of them directly at swtvrpodcast.podbean.com. Huge thank you to Mark Baker, Cole Dix, for taking their time to speak with us this month. And with this show being released slightly earlier than usual, it'll probably be five to six weeks until the next show. But in between that time, of course, it is Celebration, where Rich, Grant, Jez and Pete will be attending. Hunt them out for your free Vintage Rebellion swag. Also, before the next show, there will, of course, be a Farthest From. This is on the May the 7th, down in Ford and Bridge, as always. Dave Tree will no doubt be putting on a terrific show. And, of course, Jez runs the London Marathon and then his 40-mile challenge on May the 4th at Pinewood. Uh, We'll bring you all the details of this in May's show of how it went. But if you want to support, you can do so by donating at his Just Giving page, which is, Jez? www.justgiving.com forward slash rogue one. Thank you. Please, please dig deep. It's for a fantastic cause. Enjoy celebration. Stay safe. But from all of us until May, it is goodbye from Rich. Later, guys. Goodbye from Grant. See you all at Celebration. Goodbye from Jezebel. <laughs> Can't wait. Looking forward to it. See you at Celebration. Stormtrooperrun.com. What was so funny? Did you not hear it? Did you not hear it? It, it, was, a, it was a little toy. <laughs> uh, and uh, goodbye from Pete. When did that ever help? And don't say the Death Star. And it is goodbye from me. And remember... Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All the original content of this podcast are the intellectual property rights of Star Wars Forum UK. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swfukpodcast.com at gmail.com if you don't like this podcast tough are Star Wars products going to have the durability of say that old favourite the teddy bear teddy that was good though it was good fun good fun guys great question as well I thought the question was really good yeah the question was very good yeah I enjoyed that
I even loved though, all of it. Yeah, even though it was your rules. <laughs> you were wrong. Oh, wait, do you know what? He finished on minus 18. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Alan Davies of the, uh, of the podcast. I've had about three and a half random messages from, pe- from people who say, and I shan't tell you the names, but two, two are quite famous-ish. No, people who have talked about resales. Jack Goldblum. <laughs> who said that they'd love to say something about resales, but they're terrified of getting it in the neck, and I'm glad you did. It's like, oh, cheers. Cheers, throw me under the bus. Pictures or it didn't happen. Pete, I can't, I can't, I've Pete. sworn. I have sworn secrecy. Do you I'm, feel I'm, you've been educated at all tonight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could have the buzzer going beep, 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 beep. Oh, is that my time up? No, my microwave mail's done. Um, yeah, it'll be like you know. <laughs> the king of cheese is. Jim. I tell you what, the comedy in Jizz's house must be never ending. <laughs>